Hello. And welcome to Your, Your Grandparents, Grandparents Did What? That's Rachel Storniello. And this is Maggie Walker. Welcome to our season finale episode. That we've just been putting off and off. <laughs> Not on purpose. No. We've been, we've been it's been very s- ill. Yes. <laughs> it's literally been like trading off sicknesses. Oh my gosh. And you're still not actually healthy, no. but like at some point, I, I guess we just had to do it. I know. Today I texted you. I was like, I'm sick again. You're like, do you want to postpone it? I was like, we literally can't. We have to just muscle through. Well, um, I was over here with Rachel probably like two weeks ago and your little one was sitting near me and he just turned and just, I was like cuddling with him and he just coughed directly into oh, my open eyeballs. Is that eyeballs. where you got it? I mean, I'm not blaming him, but I'm, I'm also not, not, not blaming him. <laughs> Coincidentally, maybe. <laughs> But it was worth it. It was a good snug. It was a good little snuggle time. So anyway, okay, here well, we are. Yeah, we're gonna today. We're talking about um, millennial generation, which is us. I'm a millennial. <clears throat> I too am a millennial, an elder millennial, but a millennial. Yeah, the same, one the same. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited um, for this one. Long awaited. I know the the, the great generation, the millennials. <laughs> As every millennial, we had severe anxiety getting ready to <laughs> research and record this we put it off for a month talk um, about our own traumas yeah no i'm excited to hear what you have to say as yeah. usual okay um i don't really we don't have any fact checks this week because there's just it was a perfect episode i talked a lot of shit about boomers and they deserved all of <laughs> there it there was absolutely no incorrect facts there yeah i mean um but anyway yeah we do have a, a um donation station oh yeah donation station it is called the rebels project and the rebels project seeks to embrace support and connect survivors of mass tragedy and trauma by creating a safe environment to share unique resources, experiences, and provide education surrounding the varying effects of mass trauma. So it's um, it basically it's people who survived Columbine. Yes. Started this project because they're like, oh, we are so funny. You chose this because I feel like we are on the same TikTok FYP, and oh. <laughs> I just saw a video that was like of. I mean, the Columbine survivors, sorry, just totally cut you off. They're no, our no, no. age. I mean, they're, yes, they're millennials, right? Like, yeah. Or Gen Xers, I guess, because no. they were in high school. No, they're millennials. Yeah, they were. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we will. So, so we'll excited. get more into it. But but anyways, when I was doing research, I found this, and they basically were like, oh, like, we were in such a unique position that nobody really knew how to deal with, so they created their own yeah. network. I mean, it really happened. One ha- of my children got my glasses very greasy. I'm sorry. I'm like... <laughs> I'm seeing, like, stars around your face. Oh, I hate that. But, yeah, when you survive, I mean, I know that, like, mass trauma is something we're seeing so much more of on mm-hmm. the news, and it's happening more frequently, unfortunately. But even still, if it happens to you, you're still in such a minority. Mm-hmm. It's it's re- probably really hard to find yes. and talk to people who've been through it, yeah. unless it's you've been through it with, like, your family member or if it's, like, a, your classroom yeah. or something. But, yeah, I mean, it's great to have these type of places for people to find, like, a bigger community. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, okay. We'll donate to them this week. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start, I guess. So. All right. Yeah, let's take a break. Let's do it. I'm going to do the same kind of thing we did, like, the last couple episodes. I'm going to talk a little bit, like, an overview. I'm going to talk about some historical events that were, like, significantly traumatic to us as a generation <clears throat> can't wait to relive this trauma <laughs> i have a feeling there's gonna be crying involved of course i mean there always is <laughs> if you have listened to at least one other episode you've literally met me probably twice <laughs> you know yeah i mean even once on a bad night there will be crying involved i yes. need that like uh oh i kind of do have that on a t-shirt actually <laughs> <laughs> you do don't you sure this is i like crying cry um i'm pretty cool but i cry a lot That's yes right. i do i have that yeah <clears throat> so 
let's go a little overview. Who are millennials? Who are we? Okay. So typically the 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 consensus of dates cuz like generations are a little weird and they kind of give different dates different places. Yeah, it can be a little gray. Yeah. But the <laughs> Sorry. I need to take these ice cubes out of this cup. <laughs> We'll do it now before we get to the sad parts because your eyes are going to be clinking <laughs> while we're talking about serious things. Um, so typically, millennials are born between 1981 and 1996. So that would make them age now 26 to 41. So you can drink. It's fine. <laughs> this is so We need a straw is I what need we need. Um, so they're sandwiched between Gen Z and... I'm sorry, Gen X and Gen Z. Do you know the Gen X um, dates? I guess it starts like... I, I forget, but it's like 1965 to 1980 or whatever. Okay. It was 1967, something like that. Whatever yeah. the... I think 1965, because I think Boomers was 44 to 64. So yes. I think it's 64 to 80. And they're okay. a smaller generation. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we didn't really like much... Talk, we kind of skipped over them in this. But I they feel kinda like they kind of get lost. like lump into they the Gen Xers into Millennials kind of. Well, older, like are more boomery, younger, like... Yeah, I guess if you were born like in the mid '60s, you're a little more boomery. Yeah, like we have we have like a significant portion of friends who are Gen Xers. Yeah, but I wouldn't um, consider them. we are quite elder millennials. Yeah, we're almost at the tippy toppy. Oh, well, I guess I'm a little more close to that tippy toppy. What of was that the scale. end of it? Ninety what? Eighty-one to ninety-six. Oh yeah. So you know, whatever. Um, typically, ch- the children of boomers and early Gen Zers. Um, 44% of millennials belong to a minority race or ethnic group, which made them the most diverse generation by far at the time, but now Gen Z is. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. people are marrying outside of their own. They're like, oh, I'm not going to get disowned by my racist father. Well, for... or they don't give a fuck if they're disowned by their racist father. Starting in 2019, millennials outnumbered boomers, who mm-hmm. had been the largest generation previously. Suck it, boomers. So there are currently 7.26 million millennials, which makes up 21.9% of the population. So we're the largest group. Um, the name for our millennial generation came from authors William Strauss and Neil Howe, who created something called the Strauss-Howe Generational Theory. I didn't look any further into it. That's all the information I have. I thought we were the millennials because we lived through Y2K. Well, but they coined the term in 1987 due to the link between the new millennia and the class of 2000. So the class of 2000, basically, I guess 99 would have been the first class that graduated high school that was a millennial. So basically, mm. like, came of age during the millennium. I see. You know, in some way, shape, or form. Like, graduating high school, going through elementary school, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, my sister's a millennial. She's younger. She's 93. So she would have been seven. So she would have been, like, co- she was cognizant at the time. Yeah, you know, yeah. she wasn't, like, a lump on a log. Yeah, she wasn't, yes, an infant. Uh, millennials are also the first generation to grow up with the internet. And they came of age with the beginning of social media. So, yeah. like. It's been a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> A delicious, delicious nightmare. <laughs> I read something when I was like reading in the, just, you know, whatever, reading a bunch of stuff. I can't remember the exact number, but it was like, some question, it was like, um, like 70 something percent of millennials say that if they're bored, the first thing they'll do is reach for their phone as opposed to like boomers is like 10 percent. I'm like, what are they doing? What are you doing if you're bored? <laughs> Picking your nose or something? Like staring at paint dry? <laughs> Eating lead paint? I don't know. <laughs> seems possible oh my god so i want to move on to the collective trauma that shaped our generation 
can't wait. So I picked a couple things. I mean, there is literally a million things. I even asked Leo earlier, and he's like, why are you asking me this? <laughs> I was like, what is, like, something that, <clears throat> like, stuck out to you as an event? And he was like, Y2K. He's like, it was weird that people just didn't know what was going to happen. They, we all thought the world was going to, like, melt down. Oh, I remember. We, I, when you talk about it, I have I'm fun, not going to talk about it. It was just something story. I asked him about it. It's not oh. traumatic enough, so I decided not to talk oh. about it. This podcast can only go on for, like, yeah. 14 hours, so... <laughs> Um, do you have something like what would be your, like, if there was like one thing that really crystallized your like childhood, early adulthood? I mean, definitely 9-11. Okay. Yeah. I mean, same. I mean, Y2K, I was pretty young still, like in the year 2000, mm-hmm. like when that was happening. Mm-hmm. I. No, you were not. No, I was in, eight, in high school. I was in eighth grade, I think. Weren't you? I graduated in 04. So I was like in eighth going into ninth grade, ninth grade. But my mom was, like, oh, yeah. okay. worse of a computer idiot than I was mm-hmm. at the time. Fat so mm-hmm. she was, like, we, like, filled up the bathtub with water. We had, like, canned food. <laughs> like, whatever crazy hyper-Christian church I was in was, like, prepare for end times. And, and then you're just, like, oh, okay. And I remember okay. it happened. We were all, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is But it. it was definitely, like, the tension was high in my home for that couple days prior. So this is – I would agree. Like, 9-11 is my – like, what I would say was – yeah was it such like a formidable age for me but something that also deeply affected me and sort of like at an age 9-11 happened when I was a senior in high school um so sort of was like right before I became an adult yeah this thing happened um but when I was a freshman in high school Columbine happened so it sort of bookended this experience of like that transition yeah. from youth to adulthood for me it's so funny because i don't think that we're that far apart in age in real life but i was yeah, but a when you're... freshman in high school when no you were a sophomore in high school aren't you because you're two years younger than me mm, i guess yes but i was either a freshman or sophomore when 9 11 happened yes. but i remember when columbine happened i still you were in felt too school. young like yeah. my parents weren't talking to me about it in a way that like I knew it happened, but it was I was definitely shunned away from it. Like they weren't I mean, letting I me watch. I was found out in high school. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I was older, it would have been a little bit more relevant. But yeah. I think my parents just didn't want to scare me, so they yeah. were like, "Okay, nothing to see here. Move on." And I felt very. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I have like a crystallized memory of finding out about it at ugh. a um, vending machine. Oh, isn't at that my crazy? High school. Like the weird shit that mm-hmm. sticks. Okay. Columbine and school shootings. Yeah. So at 11.19 a.m. on April 20th, 1999, 18-year-old Eric Harris and 17-year-old D- uh, Dylan Klebold, who were seniors at Columbine High School in Columbine, Colorado, um, or Littleton? Columbine, came to school with guns and homemade bombs with the intention of setting off the bombs in the cafeteria at lunch, killing as many people as possible before shooting the rest. That was their intention. Um, these bombs did not detonate, but... Harris and Klebold proceeded with their plan. Um, They shot and killed two students outside before entering the school where they would kill 10 students and one teacher in the library, injuring 21 more, um, and then they would take their own lives 49 minutes after entering the school. I hate it. So this is not the first school shooting, but it was at the time the deadliest high school shooting. Yeah. Or the deadliest school shooting in U.S. history. Um, and this school shooting would mark the beginning of the rising of America's mass shooting problem right. at school and otherwise. I mean, I talk specifically about school because I think it changed the way 
we were educated. I think it changed the way we felt safe in school. Well, I feel like, I mean, you know, I was always raised that like, you know, you can, you should be safe at school. Yes. Like, you know, school, I remember my parents being like, you spend more time there than you do at your yes. home some weeks. So like you should feel as comfortable in school as you do, as you mm-hmm. do in this home, because that's like your second home. And yeah. if something doesn't feel right, we need to like, I remember my mom really shoving this down our throat when we were younger because, mm-hmm. you know, if we were crying, we don't want to go to school. She'd be like, well, we need to figure it out because this is where yeah. you should be. School so should be a good place for school you. School should be a safe haven. And yeah, you're right. It, it, it just, I had this conversation with the kids because we were talking about, um, they had a lockdown drill mm-hmm. <clears throat> probably like a week or two. Did Cameron have it too? Did they do, was it like district wide? I, th- I think he's had one. They don't tell us, which I don't love. I wish that they would just say like, hey, this is going to be happening today. Yeah. So like. I could have a conversation and he doesn't he doesn't really care yeah like I have talked to him about it before and he's just sort of like yeah he's such like an easy level but it's just something that a little I don't love that they don't at least just say this is going to be happening today even if it's like they've dropped the kids off at school so nobody's like skipping it or whatever to just like send a message and they send us messages about the dumbest fucking shit yeah that seems like they would let you know I mean their teachers just say like that we're having a drill and they this is the language that we're using so you can reinforce it at home. They don't, tell, they don't tell us anything. But this was the first time. I mean, they've had lockdown drills in the past. And before I would kind of frame it like, oh, if like, you know, if there's a parent in the building who mm-hmm. is yelling. Like I've kind of framed it where if something else bad was happening. Yeah. But this was the first year they're in third and first where I said, you know, the reason that you guys have lockdown drills is just in case somebody comes in with a weapon, like a gun. Yeah. I mean, they've told Cameron, I think like <clears throat> someone it's like bad comes in yeah. the building or isn't supposed to be there. That yeah. kind of language they use. Well, I was like, I was like, you know, if someone or something comes in the building that's not supposed to be there or like that's unsafe. And she was like, like a bird. <laughs> I was like, yes, God bless her. A bird <laughs> gets in the building. In Malcolm Gladwell's 2015 New Yorker piece, How School Shootings Happen, he argues that since the massacre at Columbine, quote, young men have had a kind of playbook to carry out mass murder. Young men can point to specific predecessors who have paved the way with past attacks, ultimately turning them into idols. In effect, these attacks have become a slow motion, quote, slow motion, ever evolving riot in which each new participant's action makes sense in reaction and in combination with those that came before. Oh my God, I never thought about it like that. Like It's opening up the floodgates like yeah. of it. Like somebody who is like, oh my gosh, look, they got instant fame. Mm-hmm. Like now everybody's talking about that. Yeah, their manifestos are out mm-hmm. or they got to do this thing like, like okay. obviously not a normal brain would be like, oh, that's the thing I want to do. But like you'll oh, jump sure. on like a viral TikTok trend or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's not like comparable. I mean, it kind of is. Like it is something like, oh, this is what I'm going to do to stand out and like. Like, it only takes one person to hear yes. that and, like, be like, oh, that is something that will f- give me fulfillment. Yes. And, and it, it wasn't an option before. Almost uniquely a male thing. Yes. I just saw something the other day. It was, like, of the 600 mass shootings that happened mm-hmm. so far, like, in 2022, mm-hmm. zero of them were carried out by women. Mm-hmm. I think I, – do I talk about it later? We'll get it to at the end. Which I honestly never thought of. It just always has been, like – I mean, you think about it. Ever since you're a little kid, it's, like, good guys, bad guys. Like – it's just like always that verbiage has always been like okay guys but mm. i feel like it's definitely stuck with like gunmen i mean like there are there are much smarter people than me that like are that study this kind of stuff but there is a psychology about like men and masculinity and insults and like white men because white men in particular whatever like yeah it's like a very yes it's like and like in a, truly in an age I don't know. In, like, the age we live in, like, 
what does it mean to like have connection with people and and be a man in like a way that's changing in a way I don't know I mean I think it's changing for the better but like when you have huge cultural shifts like if we're moving away millennial men let's say are the first that are like maybe waking up and being like oh should I see a therapist like yeah should I treat women like they also are human beings to have like unique and involved in our lives like that is a huge thing right Mm -hmm. and so some men like can move forward with that and some men feel left behind by that yeah so um I also wanted to discuss because obviously this is not like a standalone incident like this didn't just happen and we're like wow that was crazy that that thing happened so I wanted to discuss some of the major mass shootings that were in schools specifically since Columbine there have been literally thousands of other shootings other places but these are some of the ones that usa usa <laughs> it is a uniquely usa problem too because guns seeing... are a unique problem in this country there was something i just saw on tiktok that was like um when americans move to different countries there are certain things they stop being afraid of and mm. one of them was when they hear like bang 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 mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, not th- it's not wondering mm-hmm. like was yeah, that a gunshot, gunshot or yeah. a firework in yeah. other countries there's like, someone cool. that just got shot down the street yesterday i mean on our group chat it's constantly like i know was that gunshots or fireworks and we're yeah. all like oh it's usually fireworks but it's you never mostly know leave fireworks <laughs> especially in fishtown yeah um so <clears throat> on april 16th in 2007 at virginia tech in blacksburg virginia 23 year old sung uh, sung ho Choi, i think is how you pronounce his name Open fire in a residence hall and in classrooms on campus, killing 32 students and teachers and injuring 17 others before taking its own life. What it, year was it? This was 2007. So it was the year after I graduated. It was your – you were in college still. It was the year after I graduated from college. Um, it was at the time the deadliest American mass shooting, and it is currently still the third deadliest. It's a lot. I, I remember I that remember too. I remember this one too. Yeah. I remember being at work and finding out about I remember this. knowing that I had friends that went to VTech. Oh, did you? Yeah. I had, like, friends of, like, close friends, like, brothers, sisters, mm-hmm. like, you know. Yeah, I'm sure adjacent. a lot of people around here. It's like, not that that's, far. No. And it's a really good It is college, a very good, especially so. for, like, technical anything. Yeah, I remember being like, oh, shit, I bet yeah. you I knew, you know. I remember finding out about it at work, sitting in my little stupid office <laughs> in the back of the theater. On December 14th in 2012, 20-year-old Adam Lanza um, killed his mother before entering Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newton, uh, Connecticut, where he would kill 21st graders. <laughs> I know. <sighs> I don't mean to laugh. It's not yeah, No. But it's like our a, kids are first graders. Yeah, I mean, it's like when I was telling Emerson about when we were telling the kids about why they had a lockdown drill, yeah. um, they were like, well, that would never happen in my school. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I fucking hope not. I hope not. I know. I told them, I said it did happen in, yeah. in elementary school and it yeah. was, I didn't want to have, I did not like saying those words to my fucking children. No. Oh, tissues. It's the reality of it. Ugh. Um, where he would kill 21st graders and six staff members before killing himself. Um, just as police arrived. Uh, yeah, I know. I <clears throat> I feel like that, to me, was, like, the turning point of, like, this isn't ever going to be better. A hundred percent. Because I'm like, if How can this... you kill 20 babies? Like, ba- like they're six, they're six years old. Like, they don't even, they still have, like, fucking baby teeth. They're like, seven, uh, yeah, seven and eight-year-olds are, f- right? 
no, first six graders. and seven, six, six and seven, seven year olds. Yeah. yeah, so first graders. Yeah, they're babies. Yeah, and I mean, I just at that point, I was like, well, it's not ever going to get better because if this isn't going to change it, and people fucking thought it was like a conspiracy. People still think. People I mean, that's still think that fucking Alex Jones just got. Um, he has to pay those families like a this bunch is, of money. This is the bad place. <laughs> it is the bad place. <laughs> I'm rewatching that show, by the way. Oh God, that's where I am. <laughs> the last season of that show uh, absolutely ruined me as a human being. <laughs> I don't remember it, so I'm rewatching. Oh, it. it's it's <clears throat> perfect. Really, the ending to that show is perfect. Oh. Well, we just finished Harry Potter, so I was like, Ugh, I need to start something that's like heartwarming and good. And oh. I just love the theory. Is that heartwarming? It's not. I don't feel like it's. Well, I guess in the end, it is heartwarming. Yeah, I mean, he breaks the Elder Wand. Oh no no no! <laughs> I meant I meant <laughs> the good place. Oh no! I mean, it's kind of. I like. I love Christy. Kristen Bell. Bell. It was called her Christine Bell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to sad things. So, back to really sad things. On February 14th, 2018, 19-year-old former Stoneman Douglas High School student Nicholas Cruz would enter the school and activate the fire alarm before opening fire, <laughs> killing 17 and injuring 17 more. Um, he is able to escape with other fleeing students, but was later arrested in the neighborhood. He pled guilty and was just sentenced to life without parole like a month what ago. What school was that? Stoneman. Major, major uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. The one in Florida. Oh, yes. Parkland. Yes, yes. Parkland. That's yes. what I know it as. I was like, did I not hear about this? Am I like no. that under in Parkland, Parkland, yes. Florida. I guess I didn't put that part in there. Yes, Parkland. You'll know it as Parkland. I knew exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely know about Parkland. <laughs> you don't For live sure. under a rock. <laughs> Um, and on May 24th, 2022, 18-year-old Salvatore Ramos entered Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, and barricaded oh. himself in one of the classrooms. He would trade fire with police officers who had arrived at the scene an hour prior, but never entered. Ramos was shot and killed by a tactical team of U.S. Border Patrol agents and UCISD officers after they breached the classroom. 19 students between the ages of 7 and 10 and two teachers were killed and 18 more were injured. More than 300 school shootings have occurred since 1997. There have been 188 mass shootings at U.S. schools since 1970. So those 300 school shootings include, like, you know, one-off situations, not a mass shooting necessarily, or it could like be, a, like, gang violence, yes, whatever. like a but like person we, against a person. You, we can't put that aside. Like, yeah. gun violence is a problem in this country. Yeah. Um. So, but there's been 188. 18, I'm sorry, 188 mass shootings at U.S. schools since 1970. And, like... That's crazy. I know. That's just, it's one, it's, one is too many. I mean, I know. it's just, uh, 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 I know. I don't even have like an articulate words. No, to they're say not good words point. for it. Like, fuck everything. <laughs> fuck you if you are like a gun carrier. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, my husband owns guns, but. I mean, yeah. I mean, we. I husband, don't love them. Yeah. I mean. Uh, it, listen, he doesn't have any in the house, right? They just have in the mountains. Yeah. They're in the Catskills. And like, Ryan is like, was raised around guns. His yeah. grandfather was like a ballistics expert. I mean, I was raised around guns. I'm absolutely fucking terrified by them. Yeah. I mean. I, I mean, not raised around. I feel like there's raised around guns. Like, <laughs> my dad had guns hidden in the house that like were not in my purview. He wasn't. It, it, it wasn't yeah. like in a gun cabinet that like I saw in the living room. Like, right. My, I knew my dad owned guns. He felt like a responsible gunner. It wasn't something like I was stumbling across, whatever. Yeah. But, um, it's just still something that it's not for me. Yeah, so. I mean, I was never raised around them. My dad nor my mother at that time. My dad now owns guns. I'm sure he lives in Florida. I, well, he found a gun in your dad. Oh, thing. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I have. I know that was not a great one. 
Cool, cool, cool. Okay, cool, more cool, cool. trauma okay. to add yes. on to okay. this <laughs> fucking millennial trauma. <laughs> God, oh, okay. I'm not going to make it to my part. I'm going to be too sad <laughs> too drunk. <laughs> oh, since Columbine, 392 people have been killed in, and 1,119 have been injured in K-12 through school shootings. Yeah. What the fuck? And why... Um... I'm sorry. 140 people have died and more than 500 have been injured in schools just since Parkland. So that That was was in 2018. So four years ago. I hate it here. Um, And there are um, more than an estimated uh, 311,000 students who have experienced gun violence at schools. So it's just like that, like ripple. Like these people have been killed. These people have been injured. These people have been traumatized. These communities, like, it just—you just can't escape it at some point. I so, mean, at some point, everyone will know someone who has been impacted by it. Something. Like the numbers are getting. Like I'm sure there's some smart person has made like a chart. Yeah, that shows... it's like six degrees of separation yeah. but for school shootings. Ugh. The not fun version. Yeah. A quarter of all mass shootings occur at educational est- uh, institutions. Like, we're here trying to better our lives at school. Like, let me fucking live. 16 of the 20th deadliest mass shootings from 1966 to 2019 have occurred since 1999, which is when Columbine was. Well, it makes sense because, like, all of a sudden you have, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Like, now you have people carrying it out and you have the media, like, yes. putting And people it... getting, are getting better and better at it. Like, you, like... You are probably learning from the last experience, like what worked, what didn't work, yeah. what guns you should be using, what tactics you should be using, whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. people, I'm sure, are studying each other. Oh, my God. I'm sure there's some, like, dark internet place. Oh, God. I, I don't think it's even that dark, Maggie. I think you probably could go not too deep and find a lot of that information. Oh, good Lord. So, <clears throat> you know, I love a quote. So, from the sorrows of being a millennial, mass killings, and the tragic consequences of a generation... Uh, I'm sorry. And then the tragic consciousness of a generation by Kelsey Colts. Just as scholars consider how baby boomers Cold War experience shaped their understanding of global, global politics, will future historians ask how millennials active shooter drills shaped their understanding of national politics. As baby boomers crouched under their desk, they took cover from threats from abroad, threats from people they would never likely meet and lands they may never see. By contrast, millennials' threats seem to come from without and within. Their attackers may live in their communities. They may know them. How does this impact millennials' sense of security as parents, home buyers, employees, and contributors to a national economy? How does it impact their relationship, even their allegiance to a nation? <laughs> I mean... That, like, did something for me. Like, I, Well, because I think we talk so much about, changed. like, the Cold War, like, how it affected yes. people. You're like, why is this any different? <laughs> like, this threat is more real. It's worse. Because this actually because fucking happened. Because actually fucking happened. Yes. Like, I would take a Cold War 15-year, <laughs> like, just nervous time. <laughs> Cold War, a 15-year nervous <laughs> That's what I got out of learning about the Cold War, right? But truly, like, you're thinking about it, like, you could be sitting next to the guy who's going to come in tomorrow and shoot up the whole school. Yes. Or your university. Totally. Or your office. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be worried that fucking Vladimir Putin is going to do it because it, that's nothing I can control. Yeah. Right? I mean, there like, was, like, on the, I was reading, you know, obviously there's so much more to this. So I was reading through a bunch so of stuff. So much more. There was a guy who's like smoking a cigarette or something out in the parking lot in Columbine, and one of the shooters was like, "You just need to go home." Like he was like, 
he was like noticed he was like oh you weren't in class earlier and he was like yeah you need you need to leave and the guy's like oh i was getting ready to skip anyways and like left and he missed all of that so i know it's horrific so there's a couple of pictures for you here there's um there's it's really hard to see you could zoom in if you really wanted to but it's like a timeline of school shootings um some pictures from call and then a couple of pictures from columbine um if you want to just look at this like oh upset. yeah i mean i've seen i've seen this photo of yeah i mean i think it's yeah yeah i've seen this one like it's just like i just think like being in that and then Ugh. that's yeah then you're moving into my next section <laughs> get the fuck out of there <laughs> like i could read that <laughs> okay it is it is such a unique and terribly unique experience that we've had growing up through this because and it's, yes it's not only impacted the way that we experience school uh-huh. it's now impacting the way that we have to raise our kids I know. right like it's really it's really fucking yeah. terrifying it is <laughs> it is i don't like it i don't either <laughs> sorry i'm like very emotional no i know no i mean i was <laughs> i was talking to my friend alexis the other day about it and i'm saying one of the things i sort of hold i'm always like okay these things are happening like my kids gave in, me a yeah. shot in the street. <laughs> I, oh, we, me and my kids are so much more lady a shot in a drive-by I know. than uh, yes. they have someone to walk in but their like, fucking school. And then she's like, but you don't, you don't know that. Like, you don't, you know what I mean? Shut like, up, Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> Let me live in my little And I get it. Bubble. It's like, yes, like that is something that like a little comfort blanket I hold desperately to my face. But like, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is America. But there's no guarantee, you know, like, and that's what. I know. And there's no protections in place. Well, it I doesn't mean, like, feel like there's anything And it's not just school shootings. Done. It's not even, like, it's, you can go to the fucking movies. You yeah, go to the mall. The you go to the fucking Walmart. Yeah. There was just the Walmart there was a mass shooting at that's, like, in the place Leo always goes. He doesn't go to Walmart. But it's in the town that he goes to on travel. Yeah. yeah. So. <sighs> more and more. This, I know. This commune bunker we want to have sometime. Uh, yeah, but, like, without the guns. Oh, yeah, no. There will be no guns. <laughs> We're <laughs> not going to be, like, those weirdos that are, like, the government like, uh, sovereign <laughs> citizens. Yes. <laughs> We will have a commune, but not like Waco. I'll have, I like those glasses, like the David Crush glasses. Yes. And kind of, I want his haircut a little bit. I feel like I'm kind of getting close yeah. to having his haircut. <laughs> <laughs> if his back part was a little shorter. Uh, my oh. sister, did you know my sister was born the day that that happened? No. <laughs> and then her, her second birthday was Oklahoma City bombing. Because it's related. But I was at the Oklahoma City bombing. I was nine. I didn't fucking know that. I just knew these two horrific things happened on the same day. And then you're my sister was born. I'm like, like hmm. you're like, are you actually evil? <laughs> oh, I was uh, born on the day the Challenger exploded. Were you? I'm pretty sure. Or like the day or two after. It is in January. Yeah. It was either the day I was born. I don't know. I guess I could Google it. Hey, Siri. When did the Challenger explode? Here's what I found from Wikipedia. Oh, no. The space shuttle Challenger disaster was a fatal accident on January 28th. Okay, so it was like two weeks later. Two days before my birthday when I was two. So. It was very, yeah, I remember my mom saying she was like, Sorry, Elizabeth, to blame you on <laughs> all these bad things. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Wait. Oh, I feel, I feel sad. <laughs> Baseline. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to our most traumatic event that wasn't it no oh 9/11. september 11th <laughs> and the war on terror Ugh. on september 11th 2001 19 terrorists who were al-qaeda agents or whatever the term you would use i guess hijacked four planes leaving the east coast at 8 46 a.m american flight 11 crashed into the north tower of the world trade center 17 minutes later the south tower was hit by united flight 175 
At 9.37 a.m., American Flight 77 crashed into the west side of the Pentagon in Arlington in Virginia. And at 10.03 a.m., the final flight, United Airlines Flight 93, um, would be crashed into a field in Stony Creek Township, PA, after passengers learned of the other crashes and revolted. The South Tower would collapse at 9.59 a.m. and the North Tower would collapse at 10.28 a.m., 102 minutes after the initial flight hit. I don't know what... I, you're on the East Coast, so I think even that like hour made a really big difference. But I remember this kid James, who was like our weirdo of our school, because I guess you're what you know how I know time zones so well. An hour, well, only one hour. Pint. I don't get that. <laughs> okay, this is not the time for this. You're a flat earther, I think. <laughs> this is where I tell you I like something. Oh my god. God. <laughs> this is a, the flat earther to COVID denier pipeline. Oh, okay. I waited till now to tell you. <laughs> this has all been a huge ruse. I'll be right where I want you. I was some Lulu regga- leggings. Lulu row leggings to sell you. Okay. <clears throat> um, no, this, this kid. So we were the commons area, which so we didn't really have a cafeteria in my high school. I was going to say, like, like, did school just start? Because it happened at like eight. So school hadn't quite started, but we were in. I remember being in the commons, which is like our cafeteria, like the middle of our school. Like it could be a lot of things, but like we people ate lunch in there. Um, people would hang out there like right before school started, whatever. And he came up and he was like, "Oh, like a commuter plane." Like we thought it was a small plane at first. Mm. Hit the world trade center in new york and we were like okay james like whatever like we were very dismissive like what are you talking about that's not a thing and like this is that weird time where like some people started to have cell phones but like obviously the cell phones were like we were playing snake on them it wasn't like i could pick it up and look at fucking twitter or something you could not do a goddamn thing (laughs) played snake and i barely call people type in like ringtones (laughs) to make it sing aha at me yes um and in between the time of him telling that and me getting to my first period class which was with my english teacher the dr reverend rosa miss smith williams whoa 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 what <laughs> <laughs> did you say reverend yes yeah, she was a doctor and a reverend but she went by miss smith williams so okay. we used to call her the dr reverend rosa miss smith williams okay <laughs> <laughs> rolls off the tongue <laughs> yes um <clears throat> by the time i got to class the second tower had been hit yes and then she turned the tv on and I remember sitting in my first period class, watching it. Do you think that I'm sorry to interrupt? Do you no, think no, teachers no. now would make that same choice to let us watch it? Because we watched it live too. I don't know, but it gets worse. <laughs> so we're watching it. She got upset. She was like something in effect, like I can't. I need a minute. She stepped yeah. out of the classroom almost immediately after she stepped out of the classroom. The the South Tower fell. And I remember watching on live TV and then being like, You had no grown up to like, no. And, and so was, I'm a senior, so yeah. 17, 18 year olds in this class. And I just, I feel like when the South Tower fell, I, that was like when I was like, Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's insane to witness. Oh. Yeah. Like, this. Yeah, I can still feel it in my yes. body when you say that because yes. we watched we were it watching, live too. Um, whatever the Today Show or not yeah. the, with Katie Couric and Matt yep. Lauer. Yeah, <clears throat> we're watching the same. Is that the Today Show or whatever it is? Like I would but, know. Yes, <laughs> and I just remember them being like, "Oh, oh, like no. their reaction." That was probably the most. Yes. one of the most scary things. Yeah. So, 
you know, and then it was like chaotic. And then, and then the Pentagon's became like, so it was just all these things. And then, so then everybody's like getting picked up from school. Like I didn't drive. So my cousin Shannon came to pick me up. It was a month before her wedding. She got married literally a month later. We have the same anniversary, 10 years apart. And my poor cousin Shannon, she's picking me up. She's like freaking out. She's like, do I need to get my money out of the bank? She'd been saving for sweating. Like she just was like. You just don't know. You're and in that also like I like... get it where you're just like, I have to focus on this hyper specific thing. Yes. Because if I don't hyper focus on this thing that's like directly in front of my face, then I can't deal with the rest Especially of it. Especially like dealing with your first wedding. Like I, I feel know. like it's such like. It's... I mean, and Shannon also was 24, 25 yeah. at the time. So like, like she was, an, like, first she was an adult, but she wasn't like an adult adult. No, no. 24. I'm sorry. Y'all are children. <laughs> You know, and I remember hugging my friend Alex in the hallway as I was leaving and I was crying and like as if millennials had seen saying, enough like, trauma. It's going to be different. Like I remember talking with her about like something is going to happen that's going to change things. Oh, what an optimist. So now you can tell your if you would like to tell Oh, my 9 11 story. <laughs> Everybody's got a 9 11 story, don't they? Well, I guess in, in our age group we do. Yeah. I mean, I was when we decide I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I was either a freshman or sophomore. I you're sophomore. The, you're two years behind me in school. Yeah, because so I was sophomore. dating. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember the guy I was dating. I mean, we were in. <laughs> Can't remember what grade I was. Remember what dick I was getting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but we were in, we took a class. Like, he was a junior or senior, and there was only a certain classes that, I guess, sophomores and juniors or seniors could take together. Oh, uh-huh. So we both took it first period, and it was a TV media tech class. Oh, God. So you really just were so, run loose on the TV. <laughs> they had it on. Like, that's yeah. what we, we would put on the news in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we were working on, like, a news. We would yeah, do, so like, you, the announcements and stuff. It was actually stuff. even part of what was going on. It was actively on. on. Yeah. And, oh, my God, the teacher. I had such a crush on the teacher. <laughs> Mr. Met, if you're listening. You're, like, the horniest. You were, like, the horniest high schooler <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, we could take this class together. Let's do it. So... He was sitting in the back of the class at his desk, and we had the TVs on, and we were sitting there just like, I don't know, working on something, and it was like, we interrupt this program to, mm-hmm. you know, broadcast. Yeah, because you were probably in class when yeah. it happened. it was like probably first or second period. It was yeah. probably after homework. Yeah, it was after. It was my first or second period class, and so, and we all started goofing around like, oh, what an idiot. Someone hit the building. Yes, like, because at first We thought just, it was like yes, a joke, nothing. or like, not a joke, but like, we thought it was yes. an accident. Yes, 100%. We were like, oh my God, what kind of an idiot could do that? And our teacher was like, kind of being quiet, but was like, all right, guys, like, settle down. Let's listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So we kind of like pulled all the desks up so we could see, because it was like one shit, like two shitty TVs, like mm-hmm. hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, they were like, they were like <laughs> deeper than they <laughs> yeah. were. Y'all don't know it was, how like, good a 12 inch television the size of like a <laughs> yes. small car. And so we, like, pulled our desks up closer, and we were watching it, and um, the second plane hit. Like, it was all within one period of yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, was, it's 17 minutes later, Yeah, so. we, were, <laughs> we watched the whole thing happen, and so the second plane hit, and someone was like, how could two fucking pilots, or how could two pilots, like, make yeah. the same mistake? <laughs> and my teacher said, I'll never forget, he said, that was, this is on purpose. The whole yeah. thing is on purpose. Mm. And I had never... It, even up until this point that the second plane hit, it didn't cross my little feeble mind that it could have <laughs> well, been on purpose. Sort of don't, I mean, you're, what, you're 15. I was 17. I was you were 15. You know, yes, I didn't really, you are a baby. I was, I had you no, don't have an understanding of the way the world works. I remember, like, sitting there, like, clutching my boyfriend. <clears> and <throat> then, I don't know why, maybe it's because we were, like, I mean, we're two hours from New York. It wasn't that close, but it wasn't that far. But no. they, I don't know if somebody called in a bomb threat or there was some sort of threat to the school. Oh, yes. I've heard they this part of this. evacuated us and said People we... are... For some fucking high schoolers, like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so we all do evacuate. And we were sitting on... Um, we were sitting on the uh, football fields. 
And I had my cell phone, which I was terrified to make a call from because we only had like 200 minutes as yeah, a family. Like, if you call someone before 9 p.m., <laughs> yes. you're in so much trouble. I know. I was like, mom's going to kill me. But I was genuinely worried because my dad used to do a lot of business in yeah. New York. He would frequently be in New York. And my yeah. um, grandparents, lived, like he had family up in New York. So he would all the time go stay in North Jersey, do business in New York, and then drive home. So mm-hmm. it was not unusual for him to be in New York. So I was really trying to call him because I was genuinely worried that maybe he could be there. And you could not make a fucking phone call. Oh, no. No. I mean, it was hard for us to get through to, I mean, I have family that's in New York. I had, my mom's cousin worked in the World Trade Center. Yeah. Um, she was one of those, like, wow. late to work. Jesus. Kind of. You know what I mean? Well, it's funny because my best friend from growing up, my friend Robin, I don't know if you listen to this, Robin, if you do, I love you, but she <laughs> had told me that her dad was supposed to go into the city that day, yeah. and then they got late with drop-off, and, you know, he didn't end up going or didn't get there on time, but was supposed to be, like, in the city, and I'm like, I'm sure I know many people who uh, yeah, that's I think the case. Yeah, that. But yeah, they we they sent us all home. I remember I forget, my boyfriend drove me home and I got home. And my mom's not a TV person. Like I don't think I've ever seen my mom watch television, which, which is so funny. Is because so funny because I'm you like you could have a TV attached Maggie to your TV eyeballs. Watcher. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love television so much. I mean, what's not to? And love? I knew it was a bad thing because yeah. my mom was watching TV. Like she to this day, I, I don't think I, I've ever seen her watching. TV. I remember coming home. <clears throat> and my mom had gone to like pick up my sister and I don't remember what there must have been other family members there because it seemed like there was a f- more people at my household than Nor- yeah people were gathering I mean like, you know together. my mom's like siblings live well, in town I probably thought that was the beginning of a war well it's also just like a moment to be together and that I remember I have a very distinct memory of watching and then of course like sitting in in my parents TV room Watching people like jump out. Oh, stop it, Rachel! I can't. I can't. We just talked about fucking first graders getting shot. I, I cannot I think about. And but then the other only thing I remember my mom being that like glued to the TV is when um, JFK was in that yes. plane that went down. My mom was, she literally I don't think she turned CNN off for like two days when they yeah. were like searching. Oh, Anyways, oh my god. So back to my research. Did anything good happen when we were growing up? <laughs> Like the Simpsons, anything? No, I didn't watch the Simpsons. My mom didn't like the dynamic <laughs> in that family. I can see that. She was like, oh, Simpson's an asshole. He's not a good husband. I and I'm like, mom, it's a fucking cartoon. She's like, literal, I don't like it. It's a literal it. show on TV. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm watching Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead. Like, do, 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 do. And I was like, not. See, we were allowed to watch the Simpsons, but we weren't allowed to watch. Um, Ren and Stimpy. Oh, I used to watch Ren and Stimpy with my dad. I'm sure my mom probably didn't love it, but my dad thought it was funny, so. It was funny. It, it Agreed. And gross. <clears throat> but kids are gross, so. So the attacks would kill 2,977, injure an innumerable amount of people, yeah. um, both in the immediate aftermath as well as long-term health consequences. Um, it would cost at least $10 billion in infrastructure and property damage, and it would lead to a seemingly never-ending war on terror. Um, it remains the deadliest terror attack in history, as well as the deadliest incident for firefighters and law enforcement in the U.S. history. Um, 343 firefighters and 72 police officers were killed in the aftermath. Oh, God. Yeah. That gets me. I know. I hate it. Oh, uh, it's when we were, like, I think police officers probably wish they could go back to that. Firefighters, they still got, we still got their backs. I'm, you know, but, you know pl- I heart a firefighter. <laughs> what's not to love <laughs> but yeah no you're right i mean like it was there it was just like the heroism and i'm yes. sure to this day if this were to happen there would be heroic of course characters. and the amount of patriotism like even in my like weirdo arts high school like they would play 
um, proud to be American over like the announcement mm-hmm. stuff. Um, just- and when I was in London in 2004, so not too long after, obviously, mm-hmm. um, when I was a junior in college, my mom and I, my mom came to visit. <clears throat> and we went out one night and we went to this like little pub and we like started talking to this like working class British dude who was probably my mom's age around, maybe a little younger. Um, and we just started talking and he ended up like bringing up, we started talking about 9-11 and he started, he literally cried mm. and he was just like, you know, it was like, um, you know, Brits and Americans, we're like, basically it's like we're relation when your country hurts, like, we heard it was so painful to see that. And my mom and I are, like, sobbing, obviously. Take us back, Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Take us back. But you need a little blankie. I need a little blankie. I need, like, an emotional support blanket right now. I'm <laughs> just, just fucking sad. I need to, like, put it over me. I'm sorry. I didn't – I this is supposed to be a comedy podcast, it's but I just right have now. sad things it for you. Sad. I'm depressed. <laughs> so, in response, the U.S. launched what would become the War on Terror. On September 13th, the U.S. invoked Article 5 of the North Atlantic Treaty, which commits each member uh, state to consider an armed attack against one member state, um, against one member state, sorry, to be an armed attack against them all. Basically, so if you're in in NATO, you're saying, like, if the U.S. gets attacked, then everyone in NATO um, is attacked, basically. And this is the only time that this article has been used. Oh, damn. Uh, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan to try to overthrow the Taliban because they had not complied with U.S. demands to expel al-Qaeda from Afghanistan and extradite its leader, Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. George W. Bush would first use the phrase war on terrorism on September 16th and then the war on terror a few days later in a formal speech to Congress. Mm, so that's where we get like that yes. verbiage. That's where that comes from. And on September 18th, uh, Bush signed the authorization for use of military force against terrorists, which was passed by Congress just a few days prior. Hmm. This authorization is still active and has been used to justify numerous military actions. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, this really changed the way that, like, the U.S. interacts with the world and the way that the U.S. interacts with its own citizens. Mm. Truly. Really, the war on terror. Um, Over the years, this war on terror has been used to justify many things. The U.S. Patriot Act was signed into law in October 2001, and it dramatically reduced restrictions on law enforcement agencies and made it easier to gather foreign intelligence within U.S. borders. So things like I remember, like, like them um, basically being like, we don't need a warrant to search like phone logs like all this like stripping away of civil liberties under the name of like protecting the u.s like through the department of homeland security that was created for the like department of homeland security was created after this ice was created after all this all that Mm. and then on march in 2003 the u.s invaded iraq the bush administration told the american public that iraq had quote weapons of mass destruction and invaded um, using the war on terror as an excuse, mm. which I also have a very distinct memory. I was a freshman in college, and I had <laughs> just gotten my tonsils out. Ow. And I, my tonsils abscessed. Oh, my God. I remember this. Yes. Not, so not I literally because we yes, lived it. Because but... I've talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only, we yeah. sadly didn't know each other then. <laughs> sadly. Oh, it would have been cuckoo bananas if we did. Oh, my God. Imagine how much fun we would have had. We <laughs> would, would be dead. Would we? Yes. Yeah, so would we have survived? <laughs> 
would have been you and I. We would have died we holding hands. We would have died together holding hands <laughs> in a club wearing fucking boleros. Oh, and, my God. Oh business God. casual outfits. <clears throat> yeah, no, I was – um. I got really, really sick. My tonsils abscessed and I went from being like a functioning human being to like a very unfunctioning human being and having to get them out like the day before spring break my freshman year. And my mom had to fly up and I was in New York staying in my aunt, great aunt and uncle's apartment. And I remember watching the invasion happen. So um, in May, on May 23rd, 2013, Obama declared the global war on terror was over, but really the U.S. still engages with, quote, specific groups of terrorists. So it's just like a way to sort yeah. of like put it to the side and be like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. There's still troops there, though. Mm, yeah, there's yeah. troops lots of places. They pull them out and then they keep them there. It's fucking yeah. crazy. Over the course of the last two decades, the war on terror has <sighs> displaced 38 million people in Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Yemen, Somalia, the Philippines, and Pakistan. It's caused the death of 897,000 to 920,000 people, including over 364,000 civilians, and what has cost o- cost the U.S. over $8 trillion. Why? What the fuck? Like... Because they're basically waging war against, like, ground guerrilla troops that are amongst the people. And we use a lot of drone strikes and et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't seem right. In a poll, 86% of millennials cited September 11th as their most influential event. How many percentage? 86%. Yeah, agree. I'm in that 86%. Clearly. (laughs) That and low-rise jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Equal levels of trauma. Uh, the war on terror, including the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq and the death of bin Laden, have also been listed. So those are all sort of like mm-hmm. domino effects of. Yeah, I feel like I do remember. I don't know if you talk about when um, bin Laden was killed. I mean, I, I, I had it in there and it's just like, like too much stuff. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was 2011. Yeah, I remember something like that. that being yeah. a big thing. Um, millennials were between the ages of 5 and 20 when 9-11 happened. And so the aftermath deeply affected our formative years. I mean, that's like when you are becoming a person, when your brain is developing. Yeah. 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 And like a lot of us watched it happen live. Live. Totally. Which I and think then is you're literally wrong. watching. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is wrong. My teacher should have been like, click. <laughs> you guys deal with this with your parents yeah. later. Because like, my I, teacher was like, he literally only said, this is At least purpose. your teacher sat in the classroom with you. My teacher yeah, was like, like, I gotta go cry in the hallway, <laughs> deal with it by yourself, 17-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, clearly no teacher that day came into work being like, let me hand, like, let me prep no. for my class, which is going to be helping a bunch of fucking no. egotistical teenagers <laughs> work through this huge Trauma, event. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame the teachers, but, and I do think, like, in a way I'm happy that we watched it because... It is something that's ingrained in my memory, and mm-hmm. I'll never forget that guy I was dating at the time because no. we were sitting there together, and I felt great comfort being mm-hmm. with him. And I was like, okay, like, okay. And then I remember us all on the football field together, like yeah. we were all hugging and being close, and we were scared. I mean, yeah, you know, I live what you know, South Jersey. It was two hours from New York, so I felt safe, but I also was like, yeah, but here's I didn't know I didn't feel safe because. Because yes, of you those just other don't, things that happened. In fucking planes. And yes. Like, I lived 20 but also minutes we live outside in, of Philadelphia. Like, I live in a place, yes. I live in a place, like, I lived in a place. Like a big city. Up, yes. Where they I also were, like, in a big ship city. channels. Like, yeah. there's lots of, like, <clears throat> And then when oil, the plane was hitting in, like, yes. D.C. and Pennsylvania, yes. I was like, 
I was watching these planes fly over my head. Like it definitely felt like I was like in the crossfires of it. And it's crazy. Next time you drive to my mom's house, the way that we go, we drive by a fire station that has a um, beam from. Oh, does it? 9-11. That yes. fi- I know exactly what fire station you're yes. talking about. I never know. There is a big it, beam okay. and it says like, never forget September 11th. And oh, it has okay. like a big piece of like metal. Yeah, from the World Trade Center. Beam. Yeah. In Newsweek, Claudia Kalb wrote, The events of 9-11 destroyed a sense of security for this cohort of children. Children saw their teachers and parents worried and in some cases emotionally wrecked. They watched police officers and firefighters, community protectors dying in piles of rubble. They got caught up in a collective sense of national dread. What's next? And that was a question that nobody, not even the highest officials in the country, could answer. Yeah. So here is, there's some nice pictures for you. That's the World Trade Center about to get hit by the second plane. Saw it. And then there's um, Bush addressing Congress. W. His fucking face. What else is who next knew? That's horrible. Who knew I would long for the days of George Bush? <laughs> I know, literally. <laughs> when Trump, when Trump got elected, I was like, God damn it, where's that war criminal? <laughs> war criminal over orange Cheeto. <laughs> Nazi Cheeto. <laughs> Whatever the fuck he is. Oh my God, Rachel, this is the bad place. <laughs> I've got more bad stuff for you. No! Tell me something good happened in my childhood. <laughs> Beanie Babies? I don't have a nice thing to say Can at we all. talk about Beanie There's Babies? There's not one good thing I'm going to bring up. <laughs> Tamagotchis. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Lord. In continuing bad news, <sighs> we're going to talk about the Great Recession, the housing crisis, and millennial wealth. <laughs> what wealth? <laughs> exactly. I made, I made eternal debt. <laughs> I don't have any wine. You have no wine? Oh, my God. We need to buy <laughs> That was the, oh my God. <laughs> oh God, okay. Hopefully it's one of the memories I remember watching us just <laughs> chug this wine. It's not traumatic enough. You won't remember it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so the Great Recession, um, which occurred from December 2007 to June 2009. Oh yeah, the year I graduated college. <laughs> this is fun time. <laughs> you graduated it. in 2009? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, because you're... You had two more years of school. Yeah, I went to college for like or five, one more year. The five years, was three years. Yes, because I graduated in two thousand six. Yeah, you went for five years. Okay, Ryan graduated what, in seven. Yeah. Ryan and Leo graduated in seven. Yes. Okay. And I started dating Leo in the middle of this. He actually yeah. got laid off from his job on we my birthday. Just talked about in this in two thousand nine. Yes, both of them, Ryan and Leo, both got laid off yeah. at the same time. Yeah, Basically, we, yeah, January I just of two thousand nine. Yeah, good times. At least it worked out really well for both of them. Yeah, I mean, he's... But at the time, literally at my birthday, I was like, oh, you're coming home? He's like, I got laid off. (laughs) Wait, were we friends then? I feel like I remember hearing Uh, It was like the beginning of when we... Yeah, I remember you telling me Because we went out for my birthday. We went to to, um, um, Tattooed Moms for my birthday that year. Yes, we had just... Ryan and I had just started dating like the week prior. And he was like, this is your new friend, (laughs) friends in life. (laughs) And Ryan's like, now I have regrets. I know. (laughs) Or him being like, you talk to Rachel a lot. I was like, yeah, I know I like her. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So it was, quote, the most severe economic and financial meltdown since the Great Depression. Cool. Yeah. The recession was due to many financial reasons, um, and I am not smart enough to really understand any of them or explain Don't worry, it to I'm you. I'm not smart enough to understand it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not smart enough to really, I can, I sort of understand it Housing a little bit. Crisis? Well, that's part of it. I mean, it's a banking crisis and People whatever. wrote loans for houses they I mean, That's part of it. That's the, like the sub 
subprime mortgage crisis, which is part of the recession, but not the entire thing. Um, So I'm clearly not smart enough to understand it enough to explain it to you, who's not. Truly don't worry about it. (laughs) Just say it and let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it began with the bursting of the U.S. housing bubble. Yes. So when housing prices fell, people defaulted on their mortgages and it caused the collapse of several investment banks. More than several investment banks, um, which caused the subprime mortgage mortgage crisis. Yeah. Um, The U.S. government then bailed out or took over many large banks. Um, But at the end, there were so few consequences for the banking leadership that ended up pushing large amounts of the country to the right. And then we saw the rise of the Tea Party. Ah. That that happened in 2009. And this is like a direct result of like, oh, the government's giving these people money and we're spending all this money, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, and They're just trying to avoid like basically what happened in the 20s, which is like a rush on banks and mm. all that collapse. When the recession, quote, ended in 2009, it would take a long time for Americans, in particular Americans, uh, in particular millennials to recover. Um, the unemployment rate peaked in October of 2009 at 10%, and it did not return to pre-recession levels until May of 2016. Holy shit. Yeah. And this is really when millennials are entering legitimate adulthood. Yeah. Like, getting money and jobs adulthood. Yeah. I mean, in 2016, I was 28. Yeah, but in 2009 Wait, is when you... No, I So, 2009 when is when it was 30, the worst. Because I had yes. Emerson in 2016. But... In October 2009, you were you had just graduated. I had just graduated, yeah. So between, a sec, like a second ago, because you graduated in like June or something, right? May, and I remember um, it was. I'm in. I'm in. I was graduating nursing school, and I mm-hmm. remember. I mean, honestly, thankfully, Drexel, we did our co-ops. Yeah. So so many of us and had you, inns at different hospitals, and yeah. so I remember the unit I was co-oping on basically said to me like, "Hey, would you want to work here?" And I was like. I mean, I don't think I have any choice. Like, yes, I would love any job <laughs> <Yes>. ever. <laughs> and so, but my roommate, Steph, like she yeah. didn't love, I forget where she co-opted, but I don't think she loved it and she didn't really want to work there. And so that's why she ended up moving mm. down to Maryland, um, to her hometown, because she couldn't find any, there was yeah. like, nobody was hiring. I mean, I remember yeah. our advisors at Drexel being like, take any job that you are offered. Which is crazy because like nurses are supposed to be I mean, now like, people are like, please work here. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, now, especially. Of Anatomy, you can work here. <laughs> but yeah, at the time it was like, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was rough. I mean, I was so fortunate to have a job when I graduated and it was when I met Ryan was at that time and he had, we were dating and he had a job and then during like our courtship, he had gotten laid off. Mm-hmm. And Your courtship? <laughs> we were like not what quite dating. What the but... <laughs> fuck are you talking about? What would you call it? Dating? Yeah. But we weren't like boyfriend it's girlfriend not yet. Seventeen twenty-two. <laughs> I still think that term applies. Y'all be fucking. Like, what are you talking? I don't think we about? were though yet. Like, we were just like literally what? talking. Wait, I mean, this is offline conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wasn't the same how I was in fucking high school. Apparently, apparently. I know. Yeah, we were just like talking. But anyway, he got laid off, and I was like, oh. So the youth unemployment rate reached an all-time record high in July of 2010 at 19%, which is fucking crazy. That's a really high rate of unemployment. Um, Despite being the generation with the highest education levels, many millennials remained overqualified and underpaid. In 2007, more than 50% of college graduates had a job offer lined up. And for the class of 2009, less than 20% did. That's my year. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, I remember yeah. people being like, take any literal job. Yeah. Um, millennials born in the 1980s likely have wealth levels 34% below where they would have been if the recession hadn't happened. Attacked. Yeah, so you got a lot less money in the bank because of this. On top of this, millennials no longer have access to wealth-building benefits of generations before, as many companies started slashing employee benefits after the recession. 41% of working millennials are not even eligible for retirement plans through their companies. In 1980, four out of five employees um, had health insurance offered through their jobs, and now only half do. 26 to 34-year-olds have the highest uninsured rates, and millennials have more medical debt than even boomers. So it's not good if you're, like, in your 30s and you already have, like, collectively more medical debt. Than, like, somebody who's in their, like, 50s and 60s and 70s. Yeah. That's crazy. So what does this mean in 2022? According to analysis of Federal Reserve data, 12% of white millennials could not cover a $400 emergency expense even with help. And that number jumps to 32% for black millennials. A $400 expense. Holy shit. Yeah. Over a third of millennials couldn't come up with $2,000 if given a month. And 53% could not cover three months worth of expenses. So 53% of millennials are three months away from, like, basically homelessness, basically. Oh, my God, Rachel. I didn't know it was like that It's bad. bad. <laughs> what the fuck? The average millennial is worth just $8,000. <laughs> Less than adults of any generation in three decades. <clears throat> While millennials... Why? What? How do... What? No, I don't know. This is just all hitting me right now. <laughs> While millennials are almost a quarter of the population, they have just 3% of the nation's wealth. Boomers, in comparison, had 21% at the same age. So this makes me so irritated at boomers because like, I know. Oh, my day, I could. I had a house. And they this, had you're everything. Like, I can't afford a fucking avocado right no. now. So, like, please. <laughs> They're eat. not a strawberry to be seen. <laughs> I will pay good money for it. My kids are eating bananas and apples right now. Like, that is the fruit in my house always. Don't ask about it. Like, that's what's up. Yeah. Um, and now home ownership is also more expensive. <clears throat> the cost to build a home has gone up and up, so many developers focus on more expensive projects, and fewer starter homes means that those starter homes are more expensive. Oh, shit. Millennials pay 40% more uh, for their first home than boomers did, adjusted for inflation. Obviously. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? At 34 years old, half of boomers owned a home, and for millennials, that same number, or at that same age, the number is 37%. Millennials are less likely to own a home than any previous group since the Great Depression. Which I don't know if it is a good or a bad thing. Like, I know home ownership and property ownership ownership because home ownership is build well. Yes, it is, and it's also like, so like, okay, say Leo literally fucking died tomorrow, and he's our primary, like whatever. If I had to sell this house, I would have money to float me for a while. Yes. If we rented a home. You have nothing. I mean, I have other, like, we are very lucky and, like, incredibly privileged. I have, like, other ways. But, like, this home is basically our greatest asset. like, all of your asset. Yes. But I'm also thinking of it in, I mean, I'm thinking in a more, less of a financial way, which is obviously the dumb way to think about it. But, I mean, like. Is there it some is advantage the dumb way to, to know. being like, okay, I don't want to just settle no. down and live in one place I mean, place that's often forever. why, like, non-white families have less wealth. Like, right, why they're $400 they away. Because yeah. people don't have the capital or 
my mortgage is cheaper than someone right. who's renting for yeah, half the I house. Yeah, I mean, truly, there's, we have, like, yes. friends of, adjacent friends that were talking about trying to rent in our neighborhood in mm-hmm. Fishtown in Philadelphia. And it was literally more expensive to rent a sized house that they needed for their family than it was to just... Yes, a lot more. Like, come yes. up with a down payment and buy a house. Yeah. But they didn't want to live here because they're kind of in transit. Yeah, they yeah, were going yeah, to yeah. stay in Philly. And it was like, you know, it was just... I was like, damn, like, that's crazy. And add to that, since the recession, many higher pay, secure, benefited jobs are located in cities where housing is more limited and therefore more expensive. Yeah. Since 2008, 100 of the largest metro areas have added 6 million jobs, while rural areas still have fewer jobs than they did in 2007. Oh, damn. Yeah, because if you live in a rural area, you're working where? Walmart? Yeah, because there are not... The because we don't we don't have the same kind of like... Um, like a lot of those people worked in you know, blue collar jobs. Right. So like those don't exist in the yeah. same way. Yeah. So like, okay, sure. I can go buy a house for $110,000, but like where, where how gonna am I going to fucking pay? Yeah. Where am I going to work? Yeah. So people are choosing to live in cities because like, okay, you may be paying $2,000 a month for your mortgage, but you can have a job that can compensate you for that. Yeah. Damn, that's complicated. More people are renting homes than at any time since the 1960s, but rent have increased at twice the rate of income. How is that fair? In capitalism, baby. Um, in 1970, the medium <sighs> monthly uh, rent in the U.S. was $600 adjusted for inflation. So basically in today's dollars, $600. Okay. And today that number is $1,300. <gasps> That's across the U.S. This is including fucking backwater-ass Nebraska. Oh, shit. This is not just like the good places. Well, what's crazy is people are like, oh, don't raise the minimum wage. You're like, but like, what? Because how are you supposed to get what out was of it I saw? It was, um, I think this is a Steinbeck quote. I mean, you could say anything. I wouldn't know. I think it's a, it's a, a bastardization of a Steinbeck quote. Is the reason that socialism does not work in America is because poor people do not view themselves as like the the, the proletariat, the like working class. Yeah, they view themselves as embarrassed millionaires. So we view in this country is that you are one step away from being rich. You're one right decision away from being rich. It it could happen to you. Instead of really truly understanding that like poverty is systemic in this country. Yep. Yep. So. Damn. And on top of that, you have to add in the student loan crisis. Are you done yet? (laughs) The student loan crisis is not (laughs) close. God damn it, Rachel. Not there. Um... 14.8 million millennials have debt from student loans. 32% of all student loan debt is owned by millennials. And the average millennial borrower owes $38,877. And one in 10 millennials have student loan debt in the six-figure range. Heavy, deep sigh. 42% of millennials say their loans were not worth it given their current financial situation. (laughs) You're in a dead stars. I feel like Leo's sort of that way, and he makes good money. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, because he's like, uh, what am I doing? Why am I still paying fucking student loans? It's crazy. We're almost forty, and he's still paying student loans. Literally crazy. Boomers needed just three hundred and six hours of minimum wage work to pay for a four-year public college. (gasps) Millennials need four thousand four (laughs) hundred and fifty-eight. How many hours are in a year? Don't you know that song? I basically looked it up, and you would have to work like. 20 hours a week at minimum wage for four years to, to like to just pay for 
yeah, to pay for college at a public, your like state public institution. So basically, but that's at, not taking into account. Like that would be sixteen years or more if you're taking into account like what you're able to save and put towards your college versus well, so it's like towards if you're rent, in college, towards yes, food, yes, towards it's like cr- yes. it, that that number makes no sense yes. because nobody is only working. But it's and basically it towards... saying like that's you know like oh I paid for college by myself. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. well your credit hours were like thirty dollars yeah, yeah. a credit they made, hour. They... It is a fucking scam. I'm sorry. uh, What are college professors getting paid? Are they even getting paid a lot? Like, for what we're paying for? What, college professors? Yes. No, a lot of them are, like, adjunct. They don't even keep them as, like, tenured, so they're not, like, protected. They don't have benefits. where is the fucking money going? Like, I'm asking a genuine... Like, Um, I want to know. You don't have to answer, but I'm just... Some of it is, like, they basically (laughs) have a lot in, like, trusts and... um, What's the word? Uh, Endowments. That's the word. Um, it's crazy. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It goes in, like, football programs. Fuck a football program. I mean, tr- uh, Rachel, it's so corrupt. It's it's upsetting to me. If my the, kids want to go to... Do you think... If you... Uh, the, I think in most states, you can look it up. Um, the highest paid public... <coughs> um, the highest paid, like, public person, whatever, is... And I think in every state, is either, like, a, a football coach or, like, the president of a university. Oh, my fucking God. I'll have to find it. I hate... I... Like, it. it's so fucking corrupt. I'm sorry. Like, there is. is no reason why it should Mm-mm. be that expensive Mm-mm. to get... Because at this point, I think... Especially places like... Like, like you could pay for every person to go to Harvard for the next, like, 100 years and Harvard would still have money. Uh, um, uh, 100%. But also, like... NYU. We're, we're coming to a point where, like, you cannot get a job that can support the cost of living now without you can't. a bachelor's degree. It's basically considered... Like a high school education yes. at this point. Like at yes. some point it was like you couldn't do anything without a high school no. degree. Now you really almost can't do anything without a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. if you want to make more than a certain amount of money per mm-hmm. year, which is what you kind of need to be able yeah. to survive if you don't want to live in po- like in yeah. and around poverty. But like it's so expensive <coughs> to go to college. Sorry. It's okay. It is. It's crazy. It's so expensive to go to college. I mean, and I feel like How I went you- to college for like, I think it was like 25, <laughs> maybe thousand dollars a year for me to go by the time I left Rutgers. 20 years ago, 18, 16 years ago, whatever it was. I mean, I think when my sister went to Drexel, it was like 50-something thousand Yeah, I was going to say, when I graduated, it was like 40 grand a year. And I think my sister was like 55. That doesn't include room and board or books. Oh, my God. I went to go buy a fucking book. It was $200. I was like, why? Leo had to go buy a book for one of his classes. That It was like yeah. literally $200. It was, like and it was just paper. loose leaf fucking paper. And he was like, I will murder someone. <laughs> It is a scam. It is, it is run scam. by the mafia or something, something. Because where is the money going? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. If you know, please tell me because I'm genuinely perplexed right now. So I'm here's upset. some uh, millennial stats. Just a couple little sad ones to leave you. Only 44% of millennials are married. 55% of millennial women. That seems like a win here. <laughs> no. I did one of the things was like, a, uh, I forgot what the number was, but it was like 50 something percent of millennials have delayed like getting married and having children because of the student loan debt they have. Yeah. Because like if you, if you think about like, yeah. if you're working in an industry where you're going to need daycare and stuff, I mean, how are you supposed to afford? Yeah. It's insane. It is. You can't. So 55% of millennial women have a child, and that is a smaller share than previous generations oh, at wow. a comparable age. That's small. I was like, mm-hmm. that's not as many as I would think. Um, an average millennial mother has 2.2 children. So that's not average over millennials. That's average of mothers, 2.2. Okay. 2.02, I'm sorry, children. Um, millennials also have fewer sexual partners, an average of eight compared to Gen Z, which is 10, and boomers, which was 11. So those boomers are bigger sluts than us. (laughs) What a slut you were. 
Um, we also have fewer unintended pregnancies, births, abortions, and sexually transmitted infections than generations before us. Okay. So that's good. Making that's good probably choices. the best thing I'm going to say the entire time. I am, like, deeply unwell after this, Rachel. <laughs> know, sorry. Um, by 2030, all 150 million millennials and Gen Z will be eligible to vote. And they are the two by most... When? By 2030. Woo. So we said to get to 2030. <laughs> This last midterm it's election, like, oh, 50, 50 I haven't had like hope in a while. Yeah, I know. And I feel like this last midterm election, just like kill like, all the boomers <laughs> and give me more Gen Z. Um, they are the two most consistently liberal voting demographics. Yeah. But boomers do love to tell us we don't vote enough. Only forty nine percent of millennials voted in the two thousand sixteen presidential election, compared to about seventy percent of boomers. What? But considering almost half of millennials are minorities and most voter suppression mm-hmm. efforts are focused on black and Latino voters. Mm-hmm. Yep. In states where simple or same-day registration, um, where they have simple or same-day registration procedures, turnout rates are much higher. And younger Americans who are registered to vote show up at polls nearly as often as older Americans. Yeah, they fucking do. Good job, babies. So. Keep going. Keep going. Um, we need to be more represented. Yeah. 80% of senators and two-thirds um, of representatives are 55 or older. Boo. Just 7% of representatives in Congress are millennials, and John Ossoff is the only millennial in the Senate. One. I'm going to Google Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he's not in the Senate. I know he's not, but I want him to be like... <laughs> I think he's Gen Z. Maybe he might be our age. I actually don't know. Let's see. And um, he was never in the House or... He was he was Mayor Pete. 1982. And now he's 1982. Okay, so he's a millennial, but he's he's running HUD. Um, okay. By 25, the youngest that you can be to serve... Boomers had made up 10% of the house, but millennials still have not hit the 10% mark despite their average age being 33. So that's all I have for you. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure there Comedy are like... Comedy history there, podcast. I know. There I'm are kidding. fun things. I feel like I'm we talked about like some of those things in like fads. Like, I know. No, I mean, this had to happen, honestly. I mean, because you know what? Listen, this is the sad truth of our generation. It I is. mean, I know that, uh, you know, we talked about the negative things. That happened during the greatest generation and mm-hmm. the boomer generation, which was significant for them. I mean, clearly totally. living through a depression and the Cold War mm-hmm. and the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and World War II. All that shit was very traumatic. Yeah, I only I talk about traumatic things to away them. away from them. But I also think if you look at, like, the timeline from when millennials, like, as we came of age, it's just been, like, Trauma stacked on top of trauma totally. stacked on top of the... And it's like you're climbing up a hill with snow falling in your face and rain coming down yeah. and you're wearing the wrong articles of clothing. Like, you just can't. And then you have, ahead. like, older generations telling you that you're selfish, yes. that you want too much from life, that you're, oh, you're, you're the partition people. and you're this. I mean, I'm like, fucking, fuck you. Yeah. Like, we're yeah. trying eat, so hard. Eat a literal bag of dicks. Not even a figurative <laughs> bag of dicks. <laughs> like, we've been given such a shit hand. Totally. And I feel like... People are like, lol, millennials are so, like, moody and, like, existentially crisis-y. And I'm like, yeah, because look at what we've been dealt. Like, it has all been a hand of shit. I would call on all millennials to turn their back on Gen Z (laughs) because Gen Z is just does not want to get involved. So they're, I mean, not Gen Z, Gen X. I was like, Rachel, what? No, 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 no. (laughs) Opposite, opposite. Turn their back on Gen X. Gen X does not want to get involved. They just want to, like, live their lives and just pretend like none of this is happening. 
And we all need to turn our focus to Gen Z and raise those little tiny babies upright. I am so fucking helpful and happy I know. because I mean, our kids are obviously too young to be Gen Z. They're gonna be what? Like Gen, they're calling they call them Generation Alpha as of right now. But Gen Alpha. But Gen Z, I feel like it's like I'm looking to them as to like how I can raise my kids. Because I agree. I love seeing <clears throat> kids who are so empowered yeah, and passionate and informed. Passionate, informed, know their rights. Yes. I mean, and also I'm, like our trolling boomers, which was. <laughs> I love it so much. I just love it. I love you guys. I really don't think I, I don't know. At, I don't think I've looked at our demographic. Gen Z that <laughs> and there's to like us. one to two of you out there listening. <laughs> Uh, we do. We fucking stand you. We love you. Um, let's take a break. I need to go upstairs and cough and <laughs> get a cup of tea, I think. Okay, <laughs> and then goodbye. I'm going to tell you funny things, I think. Well, welcome back if you've made it through that. Everyone's like, I I'm didn't. absolutely not going to listen to this. <laughs> if you need to take a break and come back to my part, please feel free to. But... I think if you you made it through the slog, or this is all go, happy stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, it's somewhat not happy, but it's it, it's very it's more lighthearted. Listen, it's it cannot be worse. It, <laughs> okay, so as that's promised, me every day it can't be worse. <laughs> gets worse. Yes. <laughs> so as promised, I want to kind of jump right into helicopter parenting because uh-huh. I kind of left off on that. Yeah, at the end six of, months ago. On the I know. Uh, in 2017, last time we recorded. Uh, and then I'm going to take us somewhere else, but we're just going to, so the term helicopter parenting was first used in a 1969 book by Dr. Haim Gingott called, quote, Between Parent and Teenager. And in this book, he said teens describe their parents as hovering over them like a helicopter. Hmm. The term is used to describe a parenting style where parents were overly protective and focused and involved in their child's lives. So Dr. Anne Dunnenwold Dunnenwald, um, is a licensed psychologist who says that, quote, that helicopter parenting is simply over-parenting. It means being involved in a child's life in a way that is over-controlling, over-protecting, and over-perfecting in a way Mm. that is in excess Mm -hmm. of responsible parenting. She goes on to describe that helicopter parenting looks different for different aged kids, Mm -hmm. which... Yeah. Yes. Because you're obviously going to, like, be more... But here's my question. You may be getting to this, and so you can tell me shut the fuck up. I don't think I'm a helicopter parent, but other people might perceive me in some ways as a helicopter parent because of the involvement I have in my children's lives, Mm -hmm. or like, where is the line between like involved parenting and helicopter parenting? I'll kind of tell you. Okay. So in toddlerhood, this is like how it looks through the ages. Okay. So in toddlerhood, a parent may shadow their child's play and not allow them to have alone time, which like... Is that literal sense of helicopter? Like, I mean, I feel like I'm literally begging to have a long time. I'm like, can you just go across the room and play? Um, as a child enters the school age, a helicopter parent may select a specific teacher for one's child mm-hmm. and micromanage their okay. social life. Okay. okay, okay, Provide a disproportionate help with their homework. Mm, okay. In early adulthood. I literally refuse to help with homework. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is like you're emailing the principal and everybody okay. being like, they need this teacher, they need this, whatever. I just feel like I totally... Yeah, I agree. I am not a helicopter parent. I think like I'm an involved parent, involved parent, but not a helicopter parent. But I do. Some, I, think I feel gonna, like sometimes it can be weaponized. I think I'm going to give you the closure that you okay. want from here. Thank you. So, <laughs> and 
I, th- I agree with you. I don't think you're a helicopter parent, and I will tell you'll figure out why here soon. Um, so in early adulthood, a helicopter parent may do tasks or duties for their older child mm-hmm. that their child is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Now, there's lots of reasons why parents fall into this trap. Um, you know, as parents came of age with more things being on social media, parents can be feel super pressured by mm. other parents having their kids in all these activities, posting photos of their kids in clubs and groups and dance recitals. Yeah, curated life that you sports. see on social media. Exactly. So you might be like, oh my gosh, my kid's not doing seven after school activities. I need to get hyper involved. Um, parents who maybe felt unloved who, and they grew up with a lack of supervision and connection with their parents may be trying to overcompensate and being like, hey, mm. like my parents never came to a single sports game, so I'm going to coach it. And also... Handpick yeah. the team. I was neglected as a child, and so therefore I'm going to, like, give you every exactly. part of me. Yeah. Or anxiety about the world literally crumbling around us, like you just <laughs> lovingly told us all about. And it makes us anxious. Like, yeah. my kid has to not be in crippling debt. My kid has to be the top of the class. They have yeah. to get a full ride to college. Because otherwise, they'll be fucking dirt poor. I mean, yeah. these are all valid reasons to be hyper-involved in your kid's life. So I, I don't think that being a helicopter parent is... A negative thing, but there are actual well, tangible I, negative outcomes. I would outcomes. say it's, it is a negative thing with good intentions, Correct. right? Yes. So it's like, right? It's a hundred percent. I agree with you. Yep. That's a very good way to phrase trying it. Trying to make things so much better that in the end you hold your child back. Exactly what I'm getting at. So okay. as the generation of helicopter kids have come in age. Am have, I a psychologist? I think you might be, truly. <laughs> Dr. Rachel. Dr. You can Rachel. call me that. Yes. Write me a prescription for Adderall, please. <laughs> I'm going to start with myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, as this generation of helicopter kids have come of age, there have been tangible negative outcomes that they've reported so lack of confidence in themselves underdeveloped coping skills you know if your parents have shielded you from Mm -hmm. negativity and negative outcomes it's hard to experience that all of a sudden as an adult yeah to feel a negative emotion to fail to fail underdeveloped life skills like if i i now like you know for the trio for my job that i do for a pediatrician's office um i get a lot of patients who are over the age of 18 and because of the age of consent I'm not allowed to really talk to their parents without the child's mm. consent. And there are certain parents who are spitting mad that I say, yeah. oh, is... Because they're like, it's my child. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is Bobby there to give me consent to speak with you? Oh, no. He can't come to the phone. He's at school. He's doing this. He can't. I need to talk to you about this. And I said, I understand. But, I mean, this is the law. It... Yeah. And there are forms parents can fill out that gives them, like, blanket consent mm-hmm. if the child is... Uh, you know, has certain medical diagnoses or has a complicated medical history. There yeah, are but, certain things, yes. but at but that's point, like a power of attorney kind of a thing. If you're calling about your kids' work, like they can call. Like I'm sorry, like we need to start. And I will definitely like I'll tell parents like, listen, like let's chat, but please know next time you need to have your child call or mm-hmm. give the consent to the mm-hmm. office because it's hard to cut that cord at the age it of 18 is. when six months yes. sooner you could call and talk about like their most private and also like 18. So I'm sure so when young. we have 18-year-olds, because they are truly like you're a baby. 18-year-old, I was like, I'm fucking badass. You're not really I'm an adult yet, right? Like you're still no. living at home or in like your first Your brain year is of still college. like a little bit poor. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> you don't even know like your shoe size, I'm sure. You're like, what? Where do I? What's but my I also was shocked when I went to school. I don't know if this is, I'm not sure if this is because I went to a school where there were so many like sheltered North Jersey, like upper middle class and rich kids. Mm-hmm. Or it's just any college you go to, like, they're just going to be kids that, like... That, yeah. Literally, were like, 
How much laundry soap? I mean, that was my brother at college. When I moved in in with him, I was like, hey, where's the laundry soap? He was right here. I was like, this is fabric softener. He was like, what? I was like, mom, (laughs) you failed. (laughs) I mean, I was doing my own laundry. Like, I started probably when, like, not probably, definitely in middle school, I started doing my laundry. Okay. Well, I need to make sure my kids are doing that. I mean, especially now, it's literally like boop, boop, boop. It's not hard to do. It's like harder to like work my fucking remote control to get (laughs) Yes. And it worked. Colin can turn on Netflix. You can touch and work the washing machine. (laughs) Okay. So one way to avoid this parenting style is accepting that raising humans from childhood to adulthood is supposed to come with failures and disappointments. That is hard. And I think that is something that is really hard that you have to cope with. And letting go of that control and allowing your child to fail can be hard, but that's what they need to do so they can mature and learn. And I literally I had this moment last night with Ben because he is building this stupid car for mm-hmm. science project. They had to build a car from scratch. Couldn't use a kit. You had to, like, procure the yeah. whatever. So we got a box and, you know, some stuff. We made a car. But it's due today. And last night, you know, we're putting the finishing touches on it. And he has a complete meltdown that it's not good. He's like, it doesn't have this. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have, like, a, a mirror. It doesn't you know, Like, he's looking at it like it's not a real car, right? It's just like a box. Like, a literal small box yes, with wheels. It had wheels. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the picture. And I looked at him and I said, this is fine. Like, it's probably not going to be the best car in the class tomorrow. Yeah. It's probably not going to well, be the Well, because you're also, there are definitely, I bet there are cars that showed up in his school <laughs> that were 100% done by an adult. Well, um, yeah, like they said just said one had of them pumpkin. had, like, gears that yes. could turn okay. and was this. And I'm they like, just had that pumpkin thing at school. Yes. And I I got the pumpkin for Cameron. I got the supplies out. I glued, like, wings and stuff on because he did the Dragon Loves Tacos character. Mm-hmm. But it would literally, I said, point to where you want the stuff glued because I mm-hmm. used hot glue. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not going to mm-hmm. let you do this. But I physically was like, you better fucking touch yeah. your finger. And that is the most involved in the homework I've been. I'm yeah. sure I'll have to be a little more involved because it's a little more complicated. But I just want to start from the bat. Like, this is yours to be bad at. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. After he went to bed, because he was freaking out because he only really managed to... We had to, like, cut out construction paper. And then he painted the construction paper. Mm-hmm. And then we glued the construction paper on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he managed to do three sides of it. Plus, he had to write a two-paragraph page paper on it's it. It's a lot. It was a lot. A, he's a baby it was a lot i mean i know i look at him and he looks like a teenager he's He's taller than me like two years (laughs) it was stressful for him and so he was upset that he didn't get paper finished for the front and the back and so after he went to bed i cut out two pieces of construction paper and i slapped it on there and i'm like okay this is the most i did you're helicopter parent (laughs) i'm helicopter parent i was like but this morning i said look bud i glued the paper on i said you better be fucking thankful but I also told Just him, I was like, teach you... him that fabric softener is not. Why did you church it? But I said to him, I said, look, yours yeah. is not going to be the best. It's fine. And that's it will okay. get a passing grade. I'm like, you do, you're not an artist. Like, it's just not his strength. Like, he cannot look at something and think of, like, an art project. But he yeah. can do, he gets A's on every math test. Like, it's just not his brain. And I'm like, dude, you just have to hand in something yeah. that will get you a passing grade. And I'm totally fine with that. Okay. So, helicopter <laughs> parents, done. I feel like you and I haven't hung out in a while, so we have a lot of, like, things to chit-chat about. We've been so sick. I'm like, can I come over? You're like, no. Like, can we hang out? I'm like, no. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit and dive into the parenting style of crunchy parenting. Uh Uh-huh. Because that's so popular. Something I've been dying to talk about and how it became both a billion-dollar industry and Mm. threatened our public health system at the same time. Cool. Um, to start things off, I want to give some context to the word. Like, okay, we, we say crunchy parenting, but, like, where did that term come from? It comes from kind of the crunchy granola 
term. Oh, because people called like people granola. Because and like so hippies. people called people granola. So I want to kind of go back in time a little bit to to get to how like granola. Why fucking granola? I'm gonna tell you why. So after World War II, we get a huge surge in mass production of food, more so convenience food. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're getting TV dinners, canned mm-hmm. meats, vegetables, prepackaged cakes, powdered mm-hmm. soups, canned juices. Everything you yeah, think yeah, of yeah, yeah. was artificial, quick preparations. So the diet of Americans post-war started to look nothing like it had before. Mm. Um, so by the 1960s and 70s, with the rise of the hippie movement and a more natural way of life was emerging, young people at the time began to abandon the TV dinners they grew up with and started to lean towards a more natural way of eating. Mm-hmm. So jumping back in time for a second. So in 1863. <laughs> just a little Just a little bit. <laughs> It'll make sense. Okay, so okay. this is what happens when Maggie is left alone with research for over a month. Yeah. I'm just like digging, <laughs> digging, digging, digging. <laughs> so jumping back in time for a second, in 1863, James Caleb Jackson invents a food he called granola. It was spelled G-R-U-Nula? Granola. So G-R-U-N-O-L-A. Okay. Granola? Granola? I can't pronounce shit. Which is a lumpy flour mixture <laughs> mixed with milk. Mm, Ooh, yummy. A lumpy it. flour mix. <laughs> it was, a night, it was the did, 1860s, I, I, so I think you were just happy I, to not be like. That's what I could ask somebody to call me. <laughs> um, a lumpy, lumpy flour, flour mixture. mixture. <laughs> oh. So this um, dude, James Caleb Jackson, he was a well-known American nutritionist. So people did take his new recipe um, and basically granola like took off. People started eating it. He said it was much healthier to eat than the typical American breakfast of eggs and sausage. And, you know, people were like, okay. So fast forward a tiny bit. John Harvey Kellogg, our friend, uh-huh. caught wind of this and began selling granola mm. himself. Um, James and John went through a little legal battle over this product. And eventually, wouldn't you know, Kellogg's won the battle and bought the rights to this food and changed the name to what we now call as granola. And this is how Kellogg's first started marketing it. It's a little photo. I didn't know that granola was originally... (coughs) Excuse me. I didn't know that granola was originally a Kellogg's product. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a photo of it. I thought that it was cornflakes. Or is that someone else? I don't fucking know. <laughs> what do I look like? Some sort of history expert? <laughs> Who has a podcast That's about history? That's your job, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So granola didn't get its moment in the spotlight until really the 1970s when Kellogg's and General Mills mm-hmm. took it over to this like new crunchy mm. granola cereal as like a health food. And this was in the wake of the hippie movement and the sudden boom in health food stores, like your mm-hmm. early Whole Foods. That was in 1980. What's that? The first Whole Foods, I think, was in 1980. Yeah, so this is like the or end of the 1970s. 70s, yeah. yeah, late 70s, early 80s, exactly. And so um, this huge boom in health food stores and this term crunchy granola is born. And this is kind of like one of the early um, ads. If you scroll a little bit more, there's another one. So yeah, like all of a sudden. Chaz people- A. Pillsbury. <laughs> People are basically being like, if you are healthy, eat this specific food. It was basically Uh like, I would kind of say it as like now, I feel like people are like, oh, like I like to eat kale. Like I feel like kale is like the food of like the healthy millennial type where I feel like. At least granola is carbs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I do actually like kale. I do identify (laughs) to this a little bit more than I do. I mean, I do eat kale, but 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I yes. feel like if you think of a food that Yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. That was, like, the, the, like the emblematic. Like, food yes. of, like, people oh, were like, God. oh, everything's, like, a kale smoothie, this or that. So Kellogg granola was, like, the whole, all the rage in the 70s and 80s. Okay. We're done talking about cereal. <laughs> for a moment. We're going to come back to it. We're going to talk about vaccines for a hot second. Trust okay. me, this will make sense. We have to go through uh-huh. this together. Okay, so for as long as we've had public health departments and widespread vaccine distribution, we have had folks who don't want vaccines. We've talked about this mm-hmm. heavily last season in our episode, Childhood Vaccines or Childhood Vaccinations. Vaccinations, I think it was just... Yeah, go listen to it. We go into a huge deep dive on that. Yeah, it is one of episode. our most loved episodes. It's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, so same. if you want more on that, please go listen. But... So one of the vaccine controversies that struck us as millennials is the thimerosal controversy. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of it. I did know of it because I was in medicine. Um, it was, you'll, you'll probably remember as I go through it. Um, so thimerosal, what it is, it is an antifungal preservative that is put in oh. multi-dose vials. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yes. thimerosal contains ethyl mercury which is a mercury compound uh-huh. okay, that is related yes, to the yes, neurotoxic yes, yes, yes. pollutant methylmercury. Okay, so you have methylmercury over here, which is like a known pollutant. Mm-hmm. We know that that causes neurotoxic issues. You can mm-hmm. have different like neurological side effects if you ingest a lot of methylmercury. Methylmercury is a compound. Which is like well, if you eat too much fish. Is that methylmercury? I actually don't know what methylmercury is in, but it is a I'm... known neurotoxic agent. Okay. Yeah. It's probably in lots of different things that if you mm-hmm. ingest too much of it. Um, and thimerosal contains like ethylmercury, which is like the cousin of this. So it's like not correct. It's yeah, not like, like quite adjacent. Okay. And? Exactly. Like if you literally take and remove like one little bit of stuff, it's like a very. I, I'm. It's I like science and chemicals and like they are all like very closely related. But you'll see why I'm even saying this. So the FDA conducted comprehensive review of the use of thimerosal in childhood vaccines in 1999 and found no evidence of harm due to the use of thimerosal as a preservative. Um, but despite these studies, people were now getting, you know, I feel like in this, we we're just coming of age of like Google and you could mm-hmm. really look anything up and it was this era of information. Mm-hmm. And so people made these very loose connections and it, it just became like a tidal wave of like, uh, you know, yeah, this backlash is the problem. towards it. Right. Yeah. And so despite these studies, the public was still really weary and vaccine rates started to dip, um, at this time and, you know, out of an abundance of caution, Really only to appease the public, the AAP, so the American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC, asked vaccine manufacturers to remove thimerosal from its vaccines. Mm -hmm. And in 2001, it is officially removed from all vaccines. It's still used in some flu vaccines preparations. Um, And since... I mean, at this point, I feel like my blood is made of microplastics, so (laughs) I don't give a fuck. I mean... Before things ever make it to market, like, if something is being given to you in a vaccine, it has been thoroughly tested. Nobody is trying to give you a poison through a vaccine that makes the pharmaceutical companies no money. I mean, (laughs) after the last two years, I feel like whatever the opposite of, like, anti-vax or not even just, like, pro-vax. Like, I'm like, give me kids, like, uh, fuck it all. Just give me whatever the fuck you want. I don't give a shit anymore. I'm here for a fun time, not a long time. (laughs) I mean, we've established this. I know. Um, so in 2001, it's officially removed from all vaccines, but since thimerosal was loosely related to the known neurotoxic, we start getting the first whispers that vaccines can cause autism or quote, who knows what else? Like 
this is the first time you start hearing, I mean, probably not the very first time, but in mainstream media, mm-hmm. in like your accessible Facebook algorithm, you start getting these things. Yeah, right? not just like deep down the rabbit holes. Right. Like anybody who ever wanted yes. to be like yes. against popular, vaccines, yeah. you could probably find that information, whether it was... In the 40s and 50s when the first vaccines started I mean, my mom was, like, did not vaccinate us, but this was so long before any of that. That was, I mean, I was not vaccinated in 1984. My sister was not vaccinated in 1993. Yeah. So this is before any of that came out. She was just like, oh, everyone else is. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, your mom was, like, herd immunity. But my mom was, like, hella crunchy. Like, she was shopping at Whole Foods when Whole Foods Mm -hmm. was still, like, I would say what your mom was like. Super crunchy. Your mom was, like, the OG crunchy. And I'll talk about My mom was the OG crunchy. My mom did not... My mom was giving me, like, garlic supplements all the time. I remember being like, I stink. Like, I don't want to take these anymore. <laughs> to giving me, like, liver detox. So across the pond, we get the asshole Andrew Wakefield. Um, so again, stick with me here. This is all mm-hmm. going to make sense eventually. I promise. So, um, you can Andrew- lead me wherever you want. I truly don't give a fuck. After what you I'm just put us through, <laughs> like, just stay with me here. Um, so Andrew Wakefield published a paper in 1998 claiming to have found a connection between the MMR vaccine and autism. Trigger warning, I'm going to talk about a bunch of bad science right now. None of this is true. It's all junk. It was all junk science. I don't support it. I think this guy is a big piece of shit. But I mean, just for... You and everyone else that has a medical degree. Correct. But, I mean, I don't really want to give this guy any more of a platform than he's already have. But it does kind of... It, it really is the only way to make sense as to where I'm going. So, bear with me. Um, so this paper was published in the well-known medical journal called The Lancet, and it gained quickly gained, gained traction in the already slowing, slow-growing. Mm. Yeah, it just hit the, it hit at the right time. It did. So the study proposed a new syndrome called autistic enterocolitis and raised the possibility of a link between a novel form of bowel disease, autism, and the MMR vaccine. So the study only contained 12 kids in which eight of them developed GI symptoms and behavioral changes after getting the combo MMR, which is measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. I mean, immediately other researchers were like, holy shit, like if this is true, we need to replicate these results as any good scientist would do. It needs to be correct. You got it. Replicated. Replicatable. (laughs) It has to be replicated. Something. Edit this out. <laughs> so um, nobody could do it, believe it or not. Yeah, nobody could a, replicate these results. And I mean, twelve is such a small, such a small pool. number to make such like a bold claim. Yes, is twelve kids yeah. like no? You can't get twelve kids to like do anything uh, yeah. together. I mean, so in addition to not being able to replicate the results, it was also discovered that Wakefield had a huge conflict of interest in the finding of the paper. Mm-hmm. He was set to earn over $40 million in testing kits. So I'm assuming, I don't know exactly what the testing kits were. The article I was reading off of didn't specify, but I'm assuming it was probably a fecal testing kit. Like you could probably order these testing kits. Yeah, 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 yeah. Test your kid's poop, like with a poop smear. And it would probably turn green if they had this enteroviral bacterial. What does antero mean? What does that, do you know what that means? (sighs) Yeah, I do. So an Enterocolitis is basically like colitis is inflammation yes. of something. Yeah, I got the colitis of the, of the part of colon. it. Colon and an entero, it's like an um, like an enteral bacteria. Like so, mm. you're doing the Leo thing where you use the word to describe. Is it like a it's like, type of bacteria? Is it like it's an acquired 
bacterial colitis. So you okay. get this bacterial colitis from the MMR okay. vaccine okay. somehow. Okay. Okay. That is okay. not true. It doesn't happen. Okay. Like you can have. And then that bacterial <clears throat> infection causes. The autism. Okay. Air quotes. Okay. So you get this, yes. You I get, get the that MMR it's junk science, but what is the, what yes, is what the. What he's trying to say is you get the MMR vaccine, it somehow causes this bacterial process, this bacteria somewhere, whether it's okay. something, gets into your gut, causes uh-huh. you to have this massive inflammation of the gut. Which then causes. Which then causes the neuro changes, which is not, okay. it's not true. It yes. doesn't happen like that. Yes. That's okay. not... That's, I don't know that I ever knew the gut part of it. I honestly didn't know the gut part of it either because I think I learned about it doing this. Um, but it makes somewhat sense because he was also trying to sell these these testing kits. Yes. Where you could basically yes. essentially test your kid's stool, which would have the bacteria mm-hmm. in it. And you could be like, oh. But then I'm also wondering, I'm like, if something is bacterial, and maybe I may be misspeaking on this, the enterocolitis, maybe it was like a viral enterocolitis where you couldn't get rid of it. But I'm thinking, like, if you have a bacterial process happening, like, essentially you could take an antibiotic. Well, maybe it's viral because yeah, you're getting MMR, those MMR is MMR, viral. like viral. But if you're something is causing like that sort of, um, yeah, I don't know. It seem it seems like if you're having something that's causing this much of a change, most likely it would be like in my experience something that's that severe it would be bacterial and i mean i guess we're all get... we're making conjecture on something i'm trying to like make sense of something science, that's not real so, yeah, yes okay. i'm gonna stop right yes. where i am <laughs> yes. this is how we give validity to these things <laughs> it is fake it yes. didn't happen this guy is an asshole he ruined people's lives so in 2010 the general medical council so this all happened in the uk so some of this stuff is um language that i actually didn't know like the general medical council i believe is kind of like the equivalent of their like aap okay like it's like their medical board so they retracted wakefield's paper from the lancet citing that quote wakefield has been dishonest in his research has Mm. acted against his patient's best interest and mistreated developmentally delayed children Mm. and he has also failed in his duties as a responsible consultant i think that sums it up pretty well yeah Wakefield was revoked his privileges of practicing medicine in the UK and the British Council held a press conference and said, quote, there is now no respectable body of opinion which supports Wakefield's hypothesis that MMR vaccine and autism slash enterocolitis are causally linked. So basically said, like, there is nothing that proves this. And you know how obviously we feel here. We just said it like, yeah, fuck this guy. Get vaccines. Yeah, right. This guy's an idiot. Um, a very kind of little side note. So Melissa McCarthy, now we're talking about like what's happening in the United States. Not Melissa McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. Sorry. I said the wrong name. Don't, do not no, spear not Melissa my McCarthy. Melissa. <laughs> Jenny. I wrote Jenny here. I said Melissa. <clears throat> so Jenny McCarthy, um, only briefly talking about her because her like very, I mean, who fucking is she? Like, I don't know how she got She's such from a- Singled Out. You didn't watch Singled Out? I- we were too sheltered. <laughs> I was too sheltered. Yes, she was. She was like the hot girl on Singled Out. She was like Playboy and was generally like. She was like a hottie. But she was a hottie, and she was like a grossy, which was like what we needed in like the nineties. Like you can be a hot girl and you can be gross, like mm. which I wasn't mm-hmm. mad at. And then she was like, I cured my son's autism. Yeah, so she kind of like pivoted from like people liked her to she was problematic. Um, so she took a lot of influence from this fake paper that Andrew Wakefield wrote and it kind of took something that was kind of a small issue Mm -hmm. like in the UK 
between a bunch of scientists arguing over like I couldn't replicate your results to now it's someone yeah, in the United States bringing it into popular culture. Popular culture, which was it went from something that probably would have been nothing mm-hmm. to something that was very influential to, yeah. in a negative way. So even though <clears throat> Jenny has gone on to do many interviews claiming that she's quote not anti-vax, just pro-information, <clears throat> that's what they all fucking say though. It drives me nuts. So because actually, what information? What information is my question. The fact that people think that they can like Google and try to find anything that's like, I mean, people who are manufacturing these vaccines, which first of all, nobody's making any money off of them. It's not like yeah, it's part of the problem. It's part of the problem why there aren't more vaccines for more things. Yes, is because people are not those companies are not making enough money off of yes. them. Like there are lots of especially neglected like tropical diseases yeah. that I'm sure could have vaccines if For there sure. was actually money in them. Uh, yes. On the nose. I'm trying not to say 100%, but yes. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> ding, dong. It's true. Ding, ding dong. <laughs> um, I mean, she loved this guy so much. He wrote, she had him write the foreword in her book that Ugh. she published about raising a kid with autism. Um, So Jeffrey Kluger, who writes for The Times, said about Jenny McCarthy, quote, you are either floridly, loudly, uninformedly anti-vaccine, or you are the most grievously misunderstood celebrity of the modern era. Like, you either are or you aren't, bitch. Like, don't say you're not, I'm not anti-vax, I'm just pro-information. I mean, I've heard other people say that same thing. I've heard it too. It's like basically just a way... To get a PR way out of getting yes. and being like, I'm anti-vax. Yes. So Because not one fucking person that vaccinated their kids has been like, I'm pro-vaccine. We're like, I don't know what it is. Like, they fucking gave them some shots and, like, squirted something in their mouth. Yeah. They're I, not dying. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, not over here. I, I get it. I always ask when I go to the pediatrician, and every time it, like, literally is like, <laughs> Into the ether. So like, we're giving him the happy vaccine and the I will eat yeah, they two could be like, foods this month vaccine. Yeah. Like, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> They're like, uh, uh, we're giving him the polar ice cap vaccine. Like, great. I don't give a shit. So with the combination of the thimerosal, conver- the thimerosal c- controversy, uh-huh. which we had just before Andrew put out his bad paper, mm-hmm. then you have celebrities that are mm-hmm. starting to endorse this fake news. We all of a sudden see a huge growth in the anti-vax movement in the millennial parent group. So you kind yes. of have this like perfect storm of things happening at the same time that yeah, because that's just as millennials are like starting to be adults and like, yeah, like potentially having children. Yeah. So I mean, what we both met our that. partners in like yeah. the late two thousand. I I mean, I started dating in two thousand eight. They're dating right in two thousand nine. Yeah, I mean, we had our first kid in two thousand thirteen. So yeah. like we're right around that time. Um, something else happened in the early 2010s, which all millennials and Gen Xers, which we're very excited about, which was the birth of Instagram. Oh. Yes. Uh-huh. We love Instagram. We still do with all of our filters. <laughs> Remember the crazy ass fucking filters yes. you used to put I on Instagram? I actually scrolled back to the beginning of my Instagram um, the other day and I was like, you oh my God. wild shit on Instagram. I was like, me and a bowl of Skittles. <laughs> like, just the dumbest shit. <laughs> So with Instagram, we now get this look into people's everyday lives like mm. we never did before. And it was different than Facebook. I mean, we had MySpace. Yeah, because it's like curated in like a very visual well, it was sense. also just photos. Like with yeah. MySpace, it was like weird music and we were all only I'm kind 19. kind of sad I got oh, rid of my MySpace. I wish I had my MySpace. I wish like, I just like let it be so I could like sign into it now and be like, wow. I would have no idea what my sign-in would be. I would have absolutely no idea how to recover my MySpace. I mean, I know I, I deleted it. 
Oh, like, I don't know. Mine's probably I don't know still why. somewhere. I have no fucking clue. I wonder if I can get on it now. Let's find it. Let's go find it. <laughs> um, and then we had Facebook, which was like posting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking. Talking. Yes. Poking. Weird liking. Never poking. <laughs> poking. Yes. But now we have Instagram, which is like this photojournalism. Like everybody became a photojournalist overnight, right? Like you want to post these like really beautiful photos of like your kids and your life and your family and your house and your dog and whatever. And this was in the early 2000s and this also birthed, I'm sorry, the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. And we get at this time kind of the birth of the mommy influencer. Mm-hmm. You start to see yeah, this kind of genre of Instagram influencers that are specifically raising kids. And with the birth of the mommy influencers, we get mm-hmm. my most favorite thing to talk shit on, which is <laughs> MLMs, multi-level marketing schemes. And, you know, this is this whole, like, boss babe, be your own boss trend. And so you have this kind of, like, pipeline of, like, I want my house to have this certain aesthetic. I want to look like this. And then you start following people. And then all of a sudden they're selling you doTERRA or Young Living or LuLuRoe leggings. And so yeah, it's this very um, – I, I mean, we live through it. I mean, I remember – I mean, people are still making lots of money off being, like, the pharmaceuticals and doctors yeah. are trying to make money off of you. They absolutely buy my thousand dollar supplement. They are, and I feel like with, I mean, if you're interested in learning about the history of MLMs, please go listen to the Dream podcast. It's called the Dream. It was so good. It actually goes through the full history of MLMs. Yeah, it really talks about it. Really talked about because it's not. And the second season is about like wellness. Oh yes, it is. Mm -hmm. I did listen to it. Um, like MLMs are not unique to millennials and Gen Xers. No. It has been around for a really long time, since like the 70s yeah, I mean, and 80s. Yeah, Amway and... Amway and um, all that. That started in what, like how, the late 70s? I think earlier ish. than that. Oh, that's how What's-Her-Name made all her money, is Amway. Um, what the fuck is her name? The old uh, education secretary. Mm, no idea. <laughs> so, okay. back to my fucking Sorry, yes. I was talking about. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know what I'm fucking talking about. So... We take a minute to reflect on all this nonsense. So we have an emerging group of generation of parents who are already a little bit helicoptery, mm-hmm. hearing buzzwords like vaccines cause autism or celebrities telling you to educate yourself about vaccines. You kind of have like this in your ear. And then there's yeah. this sudden cultural parenting shift. We have this group of parents that are now looking at medical and care, like medical advice and vaccines with a questioning attitude, which... I think is good. Like, I think yeah. that you should enter medicine with a questioning attitude. I don't think you should walk in and be like, I don't care what you do with me. But I also think there's, there's a, a certain level like, of trust between a yes. doctor and your I mean, you self. should not be – it's easy for me to say as someone who has, like, health insurance and lives in a place with lots of doctors. Yes. So let's start with that caveat. If you don't trust your doctor – yeah, I mean, if you don't try to in, look for someone else. Yeah, I mean, I remember kind of I switched pediatricians when Ben was yes. probably a year because I was like, you know what, I just I, and I, now I would literally die. I will be in Doctor Fisher's. I drive cult. to the suburbs to see this, and yes. I live in. I have a yes. pediatrician's office five minutes from my house, and yeah. I drive thirty minutes to see her yeah. because I just truly trust her care totally. of my kids. So along with this, you get this perfect storm of like multi-level marketing companies preying on young moms. Specifically, yes. I'm going to talk about Young Living and DoTerra. Specifically Young Living. because they're like the wellness. Yes. Do you see where I'm going with this? Mm. So in 1993, we get Young Living. So... Oh, it's that old. It started in 1993. Yeah. In 1996, Young Living only brought in between 8 to 10 million, which seems like a lot. But by 2017, they were making over 
They were like a multi-billion dollar industry. What? Yes. So think there's about that. that there, I mean, I know there's not that much money in it. They're making like all of the yeah, money. Yeah, I mean, from 1996, to, like in 10 years, they went from like a $10 million industry to a multi-billion dollar industry That's yearly. That's crazy. I mean, think about that. That was that... That was that group yeah. of millennial parents yeah, that yeah, were like yeah, yeah, yeah. going fucking ape shit over like yeah. curing their kids' cough with eucalyptus oil or whatever. You know what I mean? They really were like, "This is it." Damn, I'm hating on Young Living and like you know DoTerra specifically because this was the multi-level marketing company that really started making more parents, moms specifically, mm-hmm. skeptical of medical care vaccines mm. because they were basically saying like, hey, you can use these essential oils to cure your child's illnesses. I mean, they marketed these oils as antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, pain relief. Yeah, they're not just marketing it as like This makes your house smell good and, smelling and good. like yeah. this drop an oil, like a drop in this in the bathtub to help them calm down. It's like, no, use this instead of soap. Use yeah. this instead of antibiotics for their ear infection use this instead mm. of getting them vaccinated because mm-hmm. it'll build their immune system and they won't need a measles yeah, people vaccine are like ingesting these things oh they were they were giving them in very unsafe ways so this is kind of the time where we start to hear the term crunchy mom like you start to now in the, like the mid like after 2010 yeah. 12 14 like around into, when like, we were having kids yeah before right before we started you really yeah. started to be like i can, people are starting to identify groups of the, mm-hmm. i'm in the crunchy i'm a crunchy mom in the crunchy community um and it really becomes like into the parenting style vocabulary so back in the 1970s way long ago when we were talking about fucking cereal this was way <laughs> more just about the way of eating like yeah if you identified as a crunchy granola person it was more like, I'm vegetarian, I live off the land, I cook all my own food, I don't mm-hmm. eat fast food, I don't, you know, eat any of, like, the convenience food. But now, here, however many years later, it has become, like, a full-time, like, a genre of life, encompassing everything, not just the way you eat. Yeah. And so, like, now you start having parents who, so if you think about, like, what is it encompassing, right, you might see parents who want to do free birth, they're doing naturopath instead of pediatricians, you know, no vaccines ever, elimination communication, cloth diapering, uh, natural remedies for illness, all organic or vegan diets, no sugar, no food dyes, no plastic toys, no screens, homeschooling, unschooling. I mean, the pipeline from Mm. I'm a little weary of vaccines and I'm going to start using like essential oils and you start maybe getting in these like mommy groups. Yeah, it's easy to get pushed. It's such a slippery slope to I'm fully denouncing Western medicine and like pulling my kid out of society. Like it happens so quickly and it's like you don't even know what's happening when it's happening to you. And I really tried my hardest to find a research paper that gave me like firm dates and like cultural references that would be like, this is when crunchy parents. It's just like, but it's like the building on top of the thing that happened before it. And then it's hard because we're living it. And it's also like, there has always been crunchy parents, right? Like you said, your mom did it. I'm sure your grandparents had friends who raised kids. Yeah. I mean, I think my grandma was considered pretty crunchy because she like breastfed her kids and like. Right. At that time it was like. like, And like fed them like healthy food (laughs) you know what I mean exactly so I mean I I hope I I mean this is kind of leading to nowhere but I do hope that (laughs) the events that I described above kind of do paint a picture of how yes a parenting style that has always existed on the fringe one thing happens and another thing happens and another thing happens and then there is a pipeline between like wellness 
and crunchiness and then like right wingedness. Yes. And that's what I don't really, I didn't go into there because I'm like, I have had enough here. Well, because it's like a distrust of like the government or institutions, which I get. Like, I don't really trust the government. I don't trust like large corporations either. But I don't trust the government because I don't think they do enough. I don't think there's enough regulation. Like, I'm on the opposite side of that. Like, I think that they are too in it for themselves and there should be way more government. Yes. Like, please regulate slightly more things yes. and less other things. And like, so when you look at the vaccination rates, like vaccination rates had, if you look at like a chart that's like from like the 1940s to when they start kind of like figuring out vaccines and then we come up with like the vaccination schedule and then mm -hmm. public things start requiring vaccines. Mm -hmm. There is a huge like increase huge jump the, yeah, the chart goes jump. straight yeah. up all these people got vaccines we loved them because all those people had friends who like died of smallpox and had polio yes and they because were now we thrilled. are far enough away from yes. kids actively dying of those things correct but the thing that is weird i mean i guess because there wasn't as many kids that died from covid right or, you know, we don't know a lot of kids that have died from the flu. Like, I know kids are still dying from the flu or RSV, and they do die yeah. from COVID. Like, I'm not saying they don't. Right. I know adults that have died from COVID. I don't know. You know, the worst is, like, I don't even know if I know any kids that got, like, hospitalized. I know kids have gotten hospitalized for, like, RSV or the flu or something. Yeah. Um, But I, I think it's just because we feel this disconnect from... From well, it's not as insidious as it used to be. Like, it's not. You don't see it but as you much as you used to. you don't understand why. You don't know how And then we talked exactly. about this in our vaccine yes, episode, please I'm listen sure. to episode. We go into such deeper dive. <laughs> and I even wrote here, I don't get into this, but, I mean, if you think of, I mean, when we, so you don't see, like, when this happens, you don't see an actual dip in the vaccination rates. What you see is a plateau, which means vaccination rates have been mm. steadily rising since vaccines have been introduced and public health has had such a good moment with mm -hmm. promoting them and having good education out there and making vaccines accessible i mean i mean our kids got the COVID vaccines at a public school like they were able to go to a public mm -hmm. school because yeah, the school district the school district distributed was making sure they're getting your fucking phone calls and emails like there's an event there's an event yep. there's this they like, made it very easy for, yeah. to, for us to get our kids vaccinated and that was how i have to imagine i mean my mom said she got the polio yeah, i'm sure i, th I think at, they were getting that shit in school yeah but like, you see a plateau in it, and the problem with that is now you have babies and kids dying mm. and getting sick from measles, chicken pox, mm -hmm. whooping cough, or pertussis, because you need this herd immunity. Like, mm. if you look, think of something like measles, which is incredibly contagious, um, it requires a 95% herd yeah, immunity. Yeah, yeah, because like, it's... a lot of people have to yeah. have a measles vaccine to keep it from running yes. rampant in the unvaccinated population. So if you think of who's unvaccinated for measles, I don't think you get your first MMR until six, eight. Something like that. It's six like or nine older. months or something. Like you're not a fresh baby. Like it takes yes. a minute to get it. So, yeah, you know, there's a huge population of infants that don't have the MMR and you don't get the full set. I think, I think you get four MMR vaccines. You're not fully vaccinated for measles, mumps, yeah, or rubella until I think 18 months. Well, it's also like, there's a reason that you get them when you do because people I know people like to delay it schedule or whatever oh, I was not no. I was not fully vaccinated until like I went to college basically mm -hmm. like my mom did some with me and then some delayed my sister like not at all until she went to college and they basically like you're living in a dorm you got to get shit done <laughs> but when I did my titers with Colin I did not have an immunity to rubella 
which can be like devastating in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and so literally they were like, oh, well, we'll give it to you in the hospital. I got it before I left the hospital, yeah, which is like, right. Because yeah. they were I, like, you're like, I ain't coming back for any reason. You're like, yeah. my fucking uterus be prolapsing through my vagina yeah. and I would not come in here because I'm too fucking tired. I'll stick a potato in there. It'll yeah. be fine. Put a potato in that shit. We're going to go back to bed. Um, Like, I don't know. It, there's just like reason behind all of it. And like, if you have questions like, Speak to a medical professional, well, not like, like your like friend are like, on oh Facebook. Oh my gosh, I had they're getting three vaccines today. I'm like, okay, I understand that seems like a lot, but your child comes into thousands contact with so much yes. thousands per day. Yeah, they're of pathogens they're, yeah. and different things. Like getting three tiny like little introduction. Like so, this is why in this period of time, like we started getting measles outbreaks, mm-hmm. whooping cough outbreaks because. In the children, like it really mm-hmm. wasn't an adult issue. Like adults weren't necessarily giving this to babies because most of us were vaccinated by this point, right? Like, yeah. We were brought up in an age where- Yeah, but like where, TDAP you have to get every 10 yeah, years or whatever. Yeah, has to get, yeah, you have to get that about every 10 years. And most parents are offered it in pregnancy. Yeah. So, and most parents get it. I mean, I think if most parents are probably pro-vax for themselves and anti-vax for their kids, I, I would- mean, I know, I know an alarming amount of people- that were willing to get the vaccine with themselves, but didn't want to yes. test it on their kids. And I find that absolutely fucking confounding. Yeah, it's bizarre. Okay. Um, okay. So, I, listen, and I know there are parents who are probably listening to this, and I know parents who identify as crunchy or crispy, I think they say now. It's, it's not, like, not a full... I believe in science, but like... <laughs> and they vaccinate their kids. I know it is not a one-size-fits-all. I'm not saying that crunchy, if you're... Because, I mean, listen, I cloth diapered. I breastfed my kids. Uh, Both of our older kids wore amber teething necklaces. I had amber teething necklaces on my little dumb kid. Now I'm uh like, please don't post those photos. (laughs) (laughs) It was very cute. It was very cute. We took it off when they slept. But, you know, I get it. Like, But, like, listen, I had friends who were, like, selling me. I bought essential oils. Like, I was like, oh, I love the way this smells in my house. And I couldn't have candles. You used it as. I like the way it smells. Which is appropriate. I couldn't have candles because Ben was like, ooh, fire. (laughs) (laughs) My house smelled like cat litter and dog because I had fucking pets. So, yes. I mean, but it's, like, crazy that how slippery that slope is. And so I I can see it. And you have to be careful when you're, you're kind of in that realm because... I don't think any parent wakes up one day and is like, I'm going to denounce Western, medi- Western yes. medicine. Yes, it's, it's, it's like a stepladder to get there. It certainly is. And I've witnessed friends who I am maybe not in touch with anymore who fell into this full, crazy, mm. crunchy, super crunchy lifestyle. And once you're in it, it's really tough to get out because I feel like once you like really condition your brain to be like, I can't trust the medical society. Yes. And honestly, like, do I care if you breastfeed your kid until they're six or whatever? No, no. that doesn't affect the public health. Do I care if you... It's also benign. Like, it's benign. Like, it doesn't really hurt anybody besides maybe your kid who is, I don't know, having a little bit of, like, too long of booby time and whatever. <laughs> That's between... Uh, whatever. But, like, like uh, what is it called? The elimination communication where you, like, hold your baby over, like, a toilet when they're two weeks old. Like... Does that affect no. the greater public health? Like, are you literally spending your entire day holding like your you're child over a your toilet? Life harder. Yes. Like, it is making your life yes. harder. Like, having a baby is hard enough. Yeah. Just use cloth diapers. Like, yes. It if is going to be okay. Right. Like, I feel like a lot of these things, like, no screens, no certain toys, no this. I'm like, okay, uh, it's not hurting me, but it's it's just making your life harder. Yes. I mean, like, <laughs> anyway. But when you get to the point where, like, but that's how it starts, right? You're like, you're yes. like okay. I'm going to cloth. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you're like, 
you're in these groups of parents who are mm-hmm. exclusively being like, well, you know, I won't even like, I'm all, I, there's yes. people who don't even bring their kids to pediatricians I the know. whole first year of life. I'm like, no, there's a reason why we want to see them. We want to weigh them. We want to check yeah. their reflexes. We want to look in their eyeballs. People think they're just, they're just for like vaccination appointments. Yeah. They just think that it's, yeah, they're, they're just pump them full of poison and tell mm. me that I'm not breastfeeding them well enough. And so, but I mean, if I had never brought Emerson to a doctor, she never would, we never would have known she had cataracts, you know? Yeah, like, I never she would, would have, have lost complete vision in her eye. She would have been blind. Like, you had to have those specific tools that the pediatrician mm-hmm. has that shines in the eye that you could see that she had a cataract in her yeah. eye. And I, I had an inkling that something was going on. But yeah, if yeah. I was like, no, if I take her in, they're just going to... Yeah. They weren't going to want to do an MRI. They're going to want to scan her, this or that. Like, it, it, I can see how I could have totally fallen into it. And like... Even as a nurse who believe is, I don't want to say believes in science because I feel like that like gives it <laughs> something that like you uh, yeah understands like a scientific a method. Like I understand are, yes. all this. I have a vivid memory of driving Ben to go get his fucking MMR vaccine. I'm driving there and I'm like, did you think like did you did you even read about it, Maggie? Like did you even look yeah, because into they've, it? Because, because I was so I like even as somebody who. And I walked his ass in there and I got his little thigh vaccinated. Like, I did not hesitate, <laughs> but I still remember being like, am I doing the right thing? Like, Well, because I feel okay? like that's like, so, like, there's just that little voice that's like from the that group that's like. Yeah, like it got to me. You're doing the wrong thing for your kid. It oh, got to me. And I am an ICU nurse yeah. who's seen kids die from pertussis and yeah. flu. And I've seen kids on isolation for measles. And I've seen the worst of the worst that you can see. And I still had a moment where I was like, am I going to go in there and get him vaccinated? Because, you know, there's these murmurs that it could cause yeah. this and who knows. So if it could happen to me and I could feel a little nervous, I can see how it happened otherwise. And that's why I wanted to talk about this today because it just, it grinds my gears. <laughs> I can see how it happened. This grinds Maggie's gears. <laughs> Makes me irritated that people feel not confident in it, that they can trust, you know. And, and it happened in such... A bizarre way, like these multiple things, like the perfect storm of yeah. false information and celebrity and internet and these MLMs preying on young moms yeah. who want to try to make like a stay-at-home life for themselves. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it happened in such a way that I watched it happen as I was coming up as a mom. Yeah. And, and I don't know, it's it's wild. Thanks for listening to my manic <laughs> The end? <laughs> the end. I really honestly also wanted to talk about gentle parenting, but at this point I can no longer talk. Well, listen, we'll Come find some other season. way to Come find. Back. We may or may not record a season four. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it. It just might be in three and a half years. <laughs> just stay with us. Just keep. Fo- just don't unfollow us because you never know when we're going to put out <laughs> new, info, new content. After this episode, people are going to be like, oh, God. Be like, this is, yeah, not it. All right, well, come back for an outro. Okay. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. I mean... It, this might be our longest episode yet. I'm very curious. Uh, it was a very chit-chatty episode, but I feel like we're so deeply... This is us. This is who yeah, we I mean, are. This so, whole series has culminated to like yeah. talk about it, and I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, and I, I also am yeah. sad. I don't know. I feel a lot of feelings right now. I always feel a lot of feelings. Um, thanks for listening to this season. Yeah, if we you're love one you guys. Of our, like very loving listeners who. Yeah, we have like we do have the with the feedback we get from people. It just really makes me so yeah, happy. Yeah, so. I love you guys. I love making this. I love your listening. Keep listening. Please share us. Whatever. What is it called? 
rate, rate, review, subscribe, subscribe. Yeah, rate, review, follow subscribe. us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, TikTok. And Instagram. We love you guys. I love you. Uh, we'll see you in season four in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's literally it's almost 2023. Yeah, it's got to so. be 2023. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Special thanks to Keith Griman for his artwork and Avery Davis for his music. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Okay, go. Say it. Your grandparents, um, what did it say? Did what? Did what? Your grandparents did what? Your grandparents did what?